Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right. Welcome, everyone. We have another special guest, Mr. Charlie Carroll. How are you, sir? Hey, Jeff. Good to have you. Good to, uh, good to be on. Uh, so excited, by the way, to be speaking to you. And I've been saving this because I didn't want to mention it before the podcast started. Okay. I really think that we have a lot in common that uh, a lot of people don't. And I have been watching your YouTube and Twitch content for quite a while. If you go through my YouTube history, there's a lot of you. There's uh, as also a lot of other streamers like Lex, and I, I watched Tonko when he was around. But one thing that I really pay attention to is when I'm watching YouTube content, how does it make me feel? Because you get to kind of like structure your day, how you feel, your energy based on the content that you absorb or the media you absorb. And every single time I watch your content, I'm leaving with a smile, man. Even if you're running bads, there's that, I don't know, there's that burst of positivity that comes from any kind of horrible situation or any kind of amazing situation that I think you bring to the poker world. And I want to express some sincere gratitude for the burst of positivity that you brought to my life because I, I, I'm not just saying this for the podcast, 100% honest. I, I watch so much of your content and it always makes me happy. Wow. Well, I, that's very, very nice of you to say. I appreciate it. I mean, like I said, I, I've, uh, I know how talented a player you are. I know a lot of, we have mutual friends, like we were saying, we haven't really gotten to really have a conversation. So, you know, we've talked, but not in depth. So this will be fun to, to kind of dive in today. But no, I'd say the same. Like, I just know, I know how talented a player you are. And I know the overall message and vibe is very, yeah, very Zen, very positive, very good. Cause poker is an emotional game. You know, it's like, don't get it wrong. Like, you know, you know, Definitely. you're streaming on Twitch, especially when it's, it's not, you know, you're there and you're taking a two out or three out or you're losing a, you know, a big equity spot, maybe to a viewer doesn't even understand really. Right. Cause a lot of the spots are yeah, exactly. down to a few spots, like a few flips or a bad beat or an unlucky cooler. And you know, it could, it could really, it has a big effect. So it's, it's not easy to just sit there, take it on the chin and be like, Oh, everything's peachy and it's great. And like, you know, it's hard to, to kind of train yourself, I think, to, get in that mindset and be able to look at the overall picture. I think it's important to look at life as like, you know, it's a lot of variance. It's a, it's one kind of big game. Right. So it's like, yeah, poker, maybe you lose a hand, but you're healthy or, you know, you're fit. Like, there's just so many different things and it's not, it's, it's hard to, to sort of uh, zone it all in. And I think we're, we're obviously all not perfect at it. So I, that's something I do want to ask you quickly um, before we kind of dive back and look through your career. How do you find you deal so well with positivity and have this outlook on, on uh, dealing with, I guess, bad beats or unfortunate events in poker. What's your sort of uh, MO on that? How do you, how do you approach that? Yeah. So this is one of the things that I think you and I have in common that we tend to be speaking about positivity. And I think that positivity in some circles gets kind of a bad rap. I think that people often associate positive mindsets with authenticity. They think that you're not being yourself if you're not just like screaming or if you're not flipping the table up when you get a bad beat or something like that. Um, but for me, at least positivity isn't just about always being happy. It's about no matter the situation, no matter how traumatic, no matter how miserable you are, always having that voice that's almost above your brain, your mind saying everything's still going to be good. Look for the good within the bats, look for the diamond in the rough, look for the silver linings kind of thing. Um, so I've always had that since quite a young age. I've always been quite a, a positive person. Um, but I, I will touch on one thing that you said about poker being an emotional game is 
when I first started grinding poker the first like three or four years, I never really got tilted. Like there'll be mild moments, but it was never really too much for an emotional downswing game at least i was only ever enjoying it but something i've learned from about myself from being on twitch is that i'm getting so upset with myself when i make a mistake on the bankroll challenge which is for like a 30 dollar pot and i'm the kind of person that if i'm in a 100k tournament on the bubble and i'm bluff shoving 2x and then i realize as i'm shoving that's a stupid bluff and then i lose i'm still laughing and smiling and having a great time um so there's something that my ego does or something that my ego says to me when i'm streaming in front of loads and loads of people that's like oh no don't do something stupid and then i get really down on myself have you have you experienced that do you find it difficult to stay good in front of people yeah you know i i actually the i do the thing i would say about that is i think that looking back on some of my twitch streams and over the years some of the bigger moments or some of the runs I feel that there's sometimes I try to play too passively because I know how important the deal yeah. is. And it's like, Oh, a spot where I know I'm supposed to probably jam fives here on a, you know, in a, in a spot where it's like close, but definitely in the right play. I kind of tend to not. And, and I think sometimes I get, you know, to that, just sort of like playing to the crowd or, or like, just like not playing my necessarily best game. Um, you know, as well I know as exactly what I mean. tables. sometimes playing too many tables. I, I actually want to ask you on that too. How many tables, do you generally play when you're online or if you're streaming and do you, does that vary a lot? Mm, yeah. So it does vary a lot. Um, but just, just speaking about what, what you mentioned there, I've seen you play and just like a very positive critique of your game. Yeah. First of all, I think you're extraordinarily intuitive as a person. I've seen some hands where you're just like, I know this person has this and I'm going to make this ridiculous check back. Like that one time that guy had a straight flush and you check back. And I can't remember exactly what it was. You check back a yeah. boat maybe. I, I flopped top full house and it was like a two card straight flush or sorry. Yeah. Like, and you just know. like lost the minimum. And some people will look at that and be like, well, that, that just can't be good because that, now you're, being exploited in xyz situation but like when is that ever going to happen again you know when's that one situation against that one player ever going to happen if it happens again then maybe he can exploit you but maybe you won't get the same intuition next time yeah and so i, I will say even though i have seen you make some more passive uh decisions when it comes deep i think that you make up for it in buckets and i think that's why you've had the success you have just because there are so many moments where your intuition can come into play because logic can only do so much. You can't count all of the combos in every single spot and then take into consideration the other five variables like ICM and do this multivariate analysis and then come to a quantified decision. You have to use your intuition of like, what do I feel is best? And I think right. you do that really well. Right. Well, well, I appreciate you saying that. And I, I mean, I, it's obvious that's a big part of your game too. I think you, you do some very unconventional stuff. I think it was Triton in July. I was, I was there and doing the commentary and saw some of the, some of the spots, some of the bluffs, some of the calls. I mean, you're just, you just really, again, you seem to be dialed into the the sort of matrix or the, you know, GTO. You got to understand that. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things. Right? It's just one of, hold on one second. Right, can you hear me? I think it's. Uh, yeah. So the audio just, just went out on my headphones. Is the audio okay now? I can hear you fine. I think uh, my Vadrian's trying to adjust some stuff here on my end. I think it might be my end, but can you you can hear me? Yeah, there's no echo or anything. Nope. Cool. All right, we'll just do this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's fun. I think poker it really is. It's like the it's just the, in my mind the perfect game, right? It's just like the luck, the combination of skill with some luck, 
and the story of a tournament and just the, the different ebbs and flows. It's a, it's sort of a metaphor to life uh, in general. And I think it's, it's just, it's really cool. So I'm, I'm, I do want to dive in and, and ask you how you got started in poker. I saw you're from Jersey. It's a, I'm not even familiar with that. It's yeah. Island and near in yeah, the, it's island next to France, next to France. So you, okay. So you were, you were born and raised there in, in Jersey and how it's small. Yeah, I, was, I was raised, raised in the UK. In the UK, but you were born in Jersey. And then how did you get into poker? How did you first find this game? So I played it a bit when I was like 13, 14, and I'd often just play against my friends for like five or 10 pounds whilst we're getting drunk and eating pizza. Um, and I loved it then, but I, I never got seriously into it until I was 19. And then the person that I was living with at the time whilst we were doing A-levels said that he was playing online poker and he was like, you should really give it a go. And I was like, I don't really want to. It sounds like not that interesting, but I saw him playing. I remember now he was playing nine max two and L and he had made like a dollar 15. It was like, this is really easy. I was like, fine. All right, I'll try it. Um, so I deposited 10 pounds and the first sit and go that I played was, a, I can't remember exactly, probably like a 90 man, $1 or something. I won it for $45. It's probably 180 man. And I was pretty hooked at that point. And so I, I, in parallel to doing my A-levels, I then started grinding micro stakes and low stakes sit and goes and then Zoom cash games. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to take one year out before university because I was, I was planning on doing a maths degree and then going into either banking or some kind of theoretical physics probably. And, what, and I said, okay. And just, to, just to interrupt you, you're 20, are you 26, five? How old are you? 26, yep. Yeah. 26. So what year, this is what year and when did, how old were you when you started doing playing? I guess it's 2013 ish and I was 19 at this point. Okay. So you're 19. You say you're going to take a year before college uh, and you're going to, you're going to give it a go. Yeah. So I, I thought I'd go all in and I moved back to Jersey actually and lived with my grandma and I did not speak barely to anyone for the, the next year. And I said, okay, if I can make it in this year, then I'll, I won't go to university and I'll just do poker. I really felt like it could be a thing. Uh, and I, I said, okay, I had 1K at this point. I was like, if I can turn this into 100K, then I'll, I'll definitely just not go to university. And um, I got up to 510 pretty quickly online cash games. And I was like 24 tabling, playing 16 hours a day. It was, it was pretty intense. Um, and then I, what stakes and how was it? Six max, nine max? Yeah, 20, 24 tabling, uh, six max between one, two, and five, ten by the end. I mean, listen, I've I've done I don't know, I've done something maybe like twelve or so of six max cash, I think. But I mean, I saw the Nano Noko in, in person do the record at the time at the PCA. Oh no way, you were there. Yeah, that was. I think it was like forty two like or something. I, some crazy number, and he had to book a profit and play for so long. But I mean, I, to put that in perspective, that is. Uh, that's insane, right? Like 24. I mean, are you timing out? How did you, did you stack? Did you tile? Like, I'm just fascinated how you could <laughs> do that. That's yeah. Crazy. I was, uh, I was playing quite a, at first, quite a tight style. So I wasn't playing as many hands as, as I would have been. Um, I remember it was at one point tight enough that I'd be folding King Jack suited under the gun six max. Um, so it was definitely slower than it could have been, but then I, I did step it up once my intuition kind of kicked in my autopilot was better. Um, but it definitely wasn't the best in terms of me getting good at poker. So if anyone's listening out there and they're wondering how many tables they, they should play looking back, I would have been, a, I would have gotten a lot better at poker a lot quicker if I hadn't 
played as many tables because I wasn't thinking through as much. Um, but the one thing I was doing was outside of playing, I was constantly thinking about poker, constantly just like, okay, if, if I flop this and this many big blinds deep, can I lead in this spot against this kind of player, et cetera. And I'd, I'd be doing that day in, day out. But when you're, when you're playing 24 player or 24 tables, cause I mean, listen, I started playing on, I don't know, 2004, 2005, right online. It was crazy. Like the heyday of, uh, People were giving it away, to, to put it lightly. But then in 2000, I'm talking about post-Black Friday, the game was tougher for sure. So like 24 tables, I mean, you're not really you, – I mean, you're playing cards, you're playing the spots, the ranges, but were you actually – you had notes on guys? Like, you can't take notes 24 tabling. Did you go back and hit replay and go through and tag opponents? Like how are you maneuvering 24 tables? Because it's hard. It's almost impossible to like make a re – like, you, you know, like against a guy. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. I, I would imagine you're not playing 24 like all the time. Like sometimes it's six or 10 or 12, or were you just like, you'd open it up in 24 reg? Uh, there, there was a good, good few months where I'd try and just get as many as I could. And then I'd, I'd go up and down and experiment with it. Um, I, I think that the more one is in tune with their intuition, the, the more tables they can play quite profitably. But the thing is, and you'll probably know this as well, that when you're an intuitive player, when you use more intuition than the average person, it's very easy for that to just be knocked and everything to just go to shit. You know, if you watch one of the, the best chess players in the world or the best chess player in the world, Magnus Carlsen, he's a very intuitive chess player, but there are moments where he's, he's just off and he's like, oh, I'm just off. And then he's just not making any of the right decisions in comparison to how he normally would. Mm-hmm. And it, it, for me, it's the same with poker. I, I can be in the zone and I can play 24 tables and I'm just feeling out every single spot and I'm not even thinking. But then I, I can be out of the zone and I can be playing two tables and I'm still making a bunch of mistakes. Um, so I now when I'm playing, I, I really do adjust based on how I'm feeling. And if I need to slow things down, slow thought processes down and meditate more, then I'll, I'll, I'll put down to even like two tables sometimes if I'm tormenting. Talk to me a little bit about that when you're in the zone and, and what your preparation looks like. You You strike me as someone that is pretty regimented where you'd wake up, you want to work out, you want to eat well you want to meditate, like give me a little bit of a look and uh, a routine either for online and live, or if it changes, or if you're just kind of see how the day is going, like, do you, would you rather sleep longer, be fully rested, or do you wake up and you don't miss a meditation and a, and a workout before you play? How, what's your, what's your sort of daily look like? So this is what my day ought to look like all the time, but doesn't sometimes just doesn't look like, um, I'll wake up, I'll make sure that before I touch my phone, I'll go outside, put my feet in some grass and meditate, mm. which for me is like super important to, to, to do some grounding. Um, then I'll meditate and I'll spend some time with my cat or with Hannah, who's here at the moment and uh, maybe do some singing. And then I'll start looking at my emails and things, do stuff to do with my charity to do with business. And then I will consider what to do for the rest of the day. Exercise will come at some point in the day, but it's, it's, not as rented as it used to be because I, I stopped enjoying it as much. Um, but I, I, I try to make sure I exercise at least once a day. Well, that, that sounds like a great day, but then where does the poker, what happens on a Sunday? What happens on a high roller? Sundays are a different beast. <laughs> like wake up and, and just roll into it or kind of, or maybe meditate, or do you still get out and try to spend a little bit of a preparation time? The weird thing about Sundays now is that they start at like 4 p.m which wow. I think is a travesty. I really wish that some of the poker sites would roll back like a few hours, some of the tournaments. So when you're in Europe, you don't, you're not up until like 5am playing a tournament. Right. Um, 
So Sundays, especially, I have a lot of time just like bumbling around, just preparing myself for what's going to be like a 14 hour late night grind. Um, but poker, I haven't been playing as much recently, apart from the last month where quarantine has mean, meant that I can't do a lot of the charity stuff in London that I could. So I've um, just been grinding the bankroll challenge and I've started playing some 500 Zoom as well, which I'm really enjoying. When you say 500 <clears throat> Zoom, explain to the the everyone what that means on on uh, what kind of buy-in and how does that work? Sure. So um, Zoom is the, the PokerStars version, by the way, if you going to play any cash games pokestars has a really high rate guys um <laughs> but zoom is the pokestars version of like fast forward it's where you, you forward and it instantly goes to the next hands the 500 means the buy-in's 500 and 500 zoom is notoriously the one that's meant to be really really difficult it was my bread and butter for a long time i, I was grinding hundreds of thousands maybe millions of hands on 500 zoom back in the day had a lot of success and something I found out interestingly about 500 Zoom is that every single time that I start playing it, people are like, you can't win this unless you've studied all the solvers. And I never study with solvers. And then every single time it's like, well, I, I just don't think that's true. I don't think that that is the case. Um, so you've had, so are you playing No Limit or Pot Limit Omaha? Mostly No Limit, Holden? Yeah, 100% No Limit at the moment. And, and you are having success at that game? Because I have heard that's notoriously very tough, those, those, that, that game in particular. So far, so good. It's a small sample so far, so there's, there's always a chance that I might just be deluded and I might not be as good as I think I am. And and listen, I I'm a, I'm sponsored by Party Poker now. Very very happy with Party Poker and what they're doing, and just the overall uh, direction of the company with Rob Young and those guys. Just you know, for me, it was a no-brainer. I actually left Poker Stars. I th- obviously, you've seen Daniel Lagranu, uh, Jamie Staples, Kevin Martin, you know, Nano Noko, a lot of lot of people, Elky. Different people, Libri have kind of, you know, there's company vision I feel like has shifted. What Just to put that in perspective, fast forward, you mentioned Party Poker has that. What is the difference? Is the pool, is it just the amount of players? Is it not enough guys on fast forward on Party? Or do you like, what do you like better about Stars? Just Or is that just where you play it or uncomfortable? Yeah, it, I feel like it's just a habit at this point. There's also the reason that I started playing 500 Zoom again recently is because I just wanted to see where I was in terms of how good I, I could play against the other players and then also just brush up on playing against these kind of players, start understanding how GTO players are thinking, tap into their energy, uh, if you want to use a more esoteric way of saying it, and uh, just get better at poker. So I, I kind of just went for the toughest that I could without losing insane amounts of money if I started playing like 1500, obviously. Right. And so at that... Is that is that something I maybe that is it true to say you learn very very well in that because you could go and review a session then you're gonna look at you obviously know who the great really good players are there right it's pretty easy to tell who's you see the guys with the big stacks or whether you, or you know their names and you just know they're they're winning good players is that and then you can go back and look at some of the hand histories and be like oh that's interesting with this hand he did this or he he overbet huge here or he bluffed with this hand and then you start saying oh I would have done the same or and or start looking at why maybe they did that and why it's right is that is that a way you kind of review and study or, or mm, not really what what i'll what i'll generally do is just play 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 and then when i'm not playing i'll be thinking just all the time so like i spent an hour i think two days ago just sitting sitting on the floor thinking through what happens if somebody opens early position we defend and the flop is eight seven five and i spent an 
maybe maybe like half an hour just going over every single hand that I can have in that situation, how I think the GTO players would react to it and where I think they can be exploited in that kind of thing. So it will be a lot of thinking, but I know a lot of other people, they, they really prefer like reading or watching content or anything like that. So it really is uh, dependent on the person. Very interesting. And what about, uh, we got to, we got to dive through your, your hen and mob here as well. Cause it is, I mean, you're closing in on, on 10 million live earnings, obviously COVID-19 things are uh, world's on its head a bit, uh, live poker. I mean, it looks like, it looks like you haven't had a, since August, 2019, you, you know, you haven't been hitting this, the live stops or playing, you know, your, your career is very, it's very, it's crazy. Cause it's not that long, right? Like most of my, the guests are started in 2004 or eight or have been around a long time. Even some of the number younger people that have been on, I mean, your, your start was, was pretty recent and you've had a ton of success. How have you, you know, kind of gone and you, you do these bankroll challenges with what a thousand to 10,000 or these different types of things where you're, you're doing for sort of showing people how they can come up, but then you're also playing hundred K buy-ins or, you know, what's your, is that your, you play a lot of hundred Ks I would say, or numerous, um, how is that for you to grind or do like that challenge for a thousand to play in a hundred K buy-in? How do you, how do you, do you find the same enjoyment in playing when you're doing this? There's definitely a different type of enjoyment. And I, I would like to just criticize myself up here and say that I've neglected poker in quite a few ways where I, I really shouldn't have because of um, some emotional difficulties I've had in the last few years. And I said that I was going to complete this bankroll challenge quite a while ago. And then I just stopped because I just couldn't handle the negativity that was coming in my direction from the poker world and from Twitch. And I, I was going through a really, really tough time. So I, I just absolutely stopped it. And I like people who finish what they start. And I was quite disappointed with myself that I, I didn't finish it. So that's why, again, recently I've started started uh, the bankroll challenge again because I am going to finish it. Um, so it's a $50 to $10,000 and we're up to like 600 and something. Um, but I, honestly, I absolutely love it. I was playing a few days ago, maybe a week ago now, I was playing a, a single session. And I was playing the $3.50 turbo rebuy. And it's so top heavy. It's like $495 which is crazy. It's 100, 100, 180 people. And I won it. And it was the craziest session that I've ever played. And I was so enthusiastic and I was so emotionally engrossed in what was happening. I was celebrating more in that than I did in almost any other tournament bar, maybe the scoot made event. And not actually by, by a long way, any, any live event, I've never celebrated that much. And I, there's something about having all of those people watching on Twitch, being on your team, all of the positive energy going towards something and it actually happening that I, for, for some reason, I find it so magical. There's no, there's definitely something there. And, and speaking of magical runs, you hit a, you won the Sunday million, right? Is that correct? Early on in your career? That's, that's the, the OG bank. Yeah. For like 200 K or something, or what was that? When was that exactly? So that, that was about halfway through the year. I, I'd got up to five ten cash games. So I was like, you know, what? I'll try tournaments. They can't be that hard. First Sunday I binkered. I think it was a no limit Omaha tournament. I had no idea how to play it. So I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's try again. Yeah. Second Sunday, I hadn't slept the night before, as far as I recall. And I carried on playing full of energy drink and, you know, not actually not other, not other stimulants, just energy drink, actually. Yeah. Um, 
and I had two simultaneous parallel deep runs, one of which was in the Sunday second chance and one was in the Sunday million. And I came sixth and second respectively, but in the Sunday million, I got more than the first guy because we did a deal. And that, and that, that, was, that really was, uh, okay. Yeah, that, that was a beautiful start. And then I spent about a third of that in three days on my friends on a trip to Amsterdam. And it was the most beautiful three days we've ever had, perhaps. Wow. That that sounds yeah that that sounds like quite a party. That's an expensive. Uh, that's a your that's your good friend, man. That's a that's an entertaining uh, time. We'll we'll leave that for another podcast. What happened there? That's a lot of that seems like uh, Amsterdam's a fun place, right? So you got yeah. Go- I wouldn't spend that much money anymore, but uh, I always said that if I won a big tournament, I'm gonna take my friends to Amsterdam. So very very cool. Well, that that's a great story. And you got so you basically you this basically was this you not going to college? This score this this puts you over the hump and and uh, kind of hit your goal, if you will, to to sort of feel like all right, I'm going to do this. This is this is real. This is something that I'm going to pursue. Was this was this the month? Yeah, that, that was the one. I I was in the tens of thousands at that point, and it was about halfway through the year that I'd set out, and then I won 200k. So I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll check out, which is obviously like kind of cheating because you know any, anyone can think, um, but it was it was good enough for me. And what do you feel? gave you the ability to to deliver on that with you know you're obviously a competent poker player at this point you're you're doing well you're you're a winning player how do you believe you were able to navigate and hit that tournament score because cash games and tournaments are very different um a lot into it intuitively the same but it is different so how do you think you were able to close and and perform and and finish because it's not easy to win a poker tournament whether you know there's luck but what do you think was there something they use some kind of program or coaching or, or thing that you had seen or watched on TV or what do you feel like gave you an edge to be able to close out a tournament with this not much experience in tournaments? Yeah, I, I don't think that I, I was playing absolutely incredibly. So I, don't, I, I can't say that it, there wasn't a huge element of luck in there. But at the same time, I think that my, my cash game experience was really, really helpful post-flop at least um, because tournament players back then notoriously were just terrible a post flop and especially in the Sunday million, obviously it's, uh, it's, uh, it's another, another beast. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, so you do get it done. And what is your, what's your, like your family, do you have brothers, sisters or your, your, uh, what, what's your family's take on you playing poker? Was it, was it a gradual, Hey, I'm going to try this and then I'm going to go to, to college if it doesn't work out or if it doesn't go how I planned or what, and they were like, okay, that's a good plan. Or were you just like one day, Hey, um, this is what I'm doing. And that's it. And they were like, how do they feel about that? Yeah, it was it was a gradual acceptance. I think they went through the 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 few stages that a lot of poker families do. Like my mum, when she first saw that I was gambling, uh, she was very 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 skeptical of what I was doing with my time, especially because my levels were going on at the same time. Sorry, Hannah's getting the door. And you know, skip forward a few a few years later, and I, I managed to buy her a car. And we we've been poor our whole life, so money is always been something, you know, quite precious in the sense of like, we've had to work for it and then eat and then work for it, then eat. Um, so to be able to now provide for my family financially is just such a beautiful experience. And, uh, I, I guess you probably had, had similar experiences and yeah, you're, no, you're a family man, aren't you? I, I, I forget that there are poker players that can be like mature adults at the same time. It's crazy. It's hard. It's hard for sure. Yeah. No, I, my son actually turned one just the other day on, uh, on what was it the 22nd on earth day so that was kind of cool like my, my my actual my uh yeah my i'd say my overall 
game plan or just sort of way of looking and doing dealing with things have changed of course but it's um you know it, it, it almost makes me more efficient i think you know you try to really you optimize time you think about it what am i doing this or that and it's not a perfect formula but it's you know you try to you, you really start time becomes like a serious serious thing like i know you're at your age you know, i was single running around it looks like you're in a you're in a how long you've been in a relationship for a while now or on for a few years yeah yeah so but it's different right it's like it's like being also you know i'm married have a have a child yeah it's uh, the the priorities and the things are a little different it's um it's you're at a the ultimate currency is age and you're super young i mean i guess in the poker world um yeah you're you're on the it seems like there's not really a ton of people coming up anymore right because uh there's not a lot of like 19 20 21 year olds i feel like so much maybe you're you're more in tune if you think that's the case or not, but I've seen at the World Series of Poker, like the numbers are really down, like 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds. You know, they're, they're, it's a crazy small number of people playing the poker. Do you, have, do you have any thoughts on, do you think poker has seen its best days or do you think there might be a resurgence of, of people that are coming up like, you know, younger 18 college students that are going to play? That's a good question. Um, so first of all, I think the reason or one of the biggest reasons that no young people seem to be in the, the high stakes is just that it's it's really tough these days. To, it's a saturated field. Um, so I, I always make sure that even if I'm selling my poker coaching content, I say 98 percent. I'm just guessing, but 98 percent, let's say, of poker players that want to be professional probably won't make it. It's probably less than that, um, but I always think it, it's it's good to overestimate because there I've had so many messages and so many conversations with either fans or people that I've interacted with on social media that say I tried to make it as a poker player and I've wasted the last four years of my life and I'm miserable now, and that's the side of poker that you just don't see and it's the side of poker that a lot of coaching websites never speak about because it's not in their best interest. They're not incentivized to say, oh, by the way, you probably won't make it. Make sure you've got a backup. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a big element in terms of do i think poker has more heydays to come i do i do think that there is a huge amount of people out there that would love to play poker but just haven't haven't found that out um i'm actually connecting with somebody with a really really huge audience on in the youtube space and we're going to be doing some poker content and i believe that will bring in a, a huge new surge and i think that it, if a bunch of YouTubers managed to tap into the poker market, first of all, they would make a lot of money. And second of all, the, the poker sites would, I mean, I, I think they could grow exponentially for at, least, for at least a couple of years. I just think that the marketing has been kind of a bit too focused to people that already play poker. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would, I would agree with that. I think the U.S., you know, the U.S. is a bit complicated, too. Uh, you're talking about the U.K., Europe and all that. It's uh, If the U.S. could ever get its act together, you know, they're obviously – Pennsylvania, Michigan, those are pretty important states, like relatively speaking, California and New York are the golden golden tickets. But you know, I think just alone, if those could get back on the grid, it would, uh, would, be, it, would yeah. be, it would basically reinvigorate the, uh, the industry. But, you know, to be fair, the, the COVID-19 coronavirus stuff, which is pretty inconvenient for the world and, and a pretty big uh, mess, if to just put it simply, yeah, if anything, for poker in particular, the numbers have been up. The tournaments seem to, you know, the, the, that there's been a boost in that respect. I don't know if it'll be a carryover once things get back to normal, but I do. You know, the industry seems to have a little, little bit of a kick up, right? No one's, no one's betting on sports. There's, uh, there's not a lot of um, entertainment, if you will. So that seems to be. I hadn't even thought about the sports betting side of things. That's so, yeah, that's so interesting. We must be getting so much punt money from the sports betters. 
yeah, it's a pretty crazy time. Like there's just no, no doubt about it all, all across the board. Things are, things are up. Which site do you play? Do you, what's your, how do you break down your volume between let's just call it um, party poker, poker stars. Do you play ACR? Like what's your schedule? If you, if you were to say on a hundred percent on a tournament grind Sunday, what is your, your, your pie chart of, uh, of volume? At the moment, it's 50-50 party and poker stars, but I'm, I'm soon going to be changing that uh, to play at another site. I'm just speaking to them behind the scenes and making sure that I'm not going to be promoting a site that actually is doing not great things, but there there is a third that I really like. But I, honestly, I'm, I'm with you. I think party poker is great. Um, I disagree with so many of the things that poker stars have done, although I must say I'm phenomenally grateful for the fact that poker stars has existed in the first place. It's right. put us you and me in such a privileged position to be able to play this beautiful game for a living and just not have to deal with so many of the, the, the other shit that a lot of people have to. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to just sit there and pile on or, or say something and it's, it's tough, right? You don't want to bite the hand that, that feeds you, if you will. Like it's, it's kind of tough. I, I don't agree in a lot of direction. There was actually, I don't know if you caught wind of this other day. I saw Sam Greenwood, some others tweeting that they had, a, I think it was a 5k, they had a guarantee of 500K and it got like 435 or 65K. And they basically canceled the tournament after day one. Like it was in the money and they canceled it or something crazy strange. Did you did you catch wind of that at all? Like it's something I never I, even I heard. Saw, I think I saw Graph Tech will post about it. And what I'm imagining is that it was probably a mistake. I'd like to not assume malice in this spot because I don't think it's worth their time to be malicious for 65K. That being said, because of their track record of essentially stealing money out of the Supernova program, I, I'm not going to be able to say that with certainty. Um, okay, yeah, I think you're right. I'm looking, I just was scrolling through something about the, um, yeah, stolen. Exactly your point, right? It doesn't make sense. They're going to go to the, the most... Uh, alert intuitive and, and vocal people in the industry and just like take 65 shit on them and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> put a set everyone like that i mean it, yeah it doesn't make a ton of uh doesn't make a ton of sense so maybe it was a mistake anyway yeah the, let's uh let's dive into your career so you hit live what tell me about this this 2014 you were already grinding had you won when you hit this live 2000 main event at the london grand final uh, Grosner, were you already had you won the Sunday Million and chopped it or whatnot? Is this already you had already had that under your belt? Yeah, that, that that's post Sunday Million and post doing quite a lot of five hundred zooming as well. So after I lived with my uh, my friend Ben, we we grinded up from well, he was in the micro stakes when we met, and then he he now plays the the super high rollers. Um, so we were playing day in day out every single day in London, um, and then I went off to university for like 10 weeks just to see what it was like. I wasn't intending to stay. And during that university time, I, I played my first live tournament in such a long time. And it was that tournament. And again, I, I literally had zero hours sleep before day one. I was falling asleep at the table and uh, yeah, still managed to just run like God and uh, take it down. It's pretty crazy. So you, you get the win, you get a live win, which is nice, right? Cause online's cool. It's fun to win, but getting a live kind of trophy, you know, navigating a, a real life, um, in the in the flesh getting a win that was very cool and then you you go you're playing more so now you're traveling right you're you're traveling the world you're in ept san remo you're going to to spain you're going over the uk now you're in the bahamas and you get a you get a score for 1.2 million in may 2015 at the 25k was this your first 25k i see it's your first 25k cash i don't know if you yeah it was the first 25k i played it was the second high roller i played which is pretty insane this and this was his 10k the one the first one um 
Oh, maybe maybe it wasn't the second I guess, high roller. It depends what you define I, as I, a I, high roller. 10K or 10K. Uh, yeah, I, was, I, I think I just got that wrong. I think that the second high roller was the 10K, actually. Okay, so you hit a 200K score in uh, Malta, and I actually have never been there, but David Peters uh, takes it down. Some some big names there. You get, a, you get a nice score. 200K is nice, but 1.2, I mean, that's a game changer. No, like you're – that, that that's a different level seven figure score you take down first place what did this do for you and, and what was this like in monaco yeah, very, very there's a lot, of, a lot of fun side stories that happened around that first of all i was there was a, one of the first tournaments i ever sold action in um i only had my own action up until then and i was like okay 25k i might as well sell some i was so confident in ben who i think this was his first ever high roller he didn't even play a 10k I was so confident in him. I had 30 something percent in myself and I had like 80% in him because no one else would buy it from him because it was his first one. He ended up min plus cashing that one and then running bad just right at the end. And I ended up, I ended up taking it down. Um, another side thing is that because it was the first time that I'd ever sold action, I was completely discombobulated about how I was organizing it. I didn't always say books. I didn't always do the right thing. I oh, did wow. have, a few people that had sent before would say booked and everything was good. But there was this one person that got me real good on the final day. As I, I was going into the day three, he messages me and he's like, I'm so glad that I, I invested in you in this tournament. And I was like, Et quoi? Pardon? Yeah. And so I look back at the messages and it's him being like, Hey, can I, can I buy 2% from your package? And I was like, yeah, sure, mate. And we just never spoke about it again. Didn't book, didn't do anything else. Um, and I ended up just, having to pay him out because the rest of the poker world was like, oh yeah, you probably do owe it kind of, even though you didn't say booked. And I def definitely got free rolled in that spot. Wow. Yeah. It's uh, that's man, that's unfortunate. And that's a, yeah, 2% on $1.24 million. That, that's a lot of money. And that's, that's a bit, bit of tilting, right? Cause like you said, the word free roll, which is, it's not a good thing to be. You don't want to be getting free rolled. Cause it's like, you're saying if you had lost, it's unlikely he would have reached. If you didn't think you had a piece, he's not just going to, I mean, I don't know the person, I don't know the situation, but yeah, like you're saying, he probably wouldn't have just said, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, not gonna, not gonna name names out of interest. I'm an extremely scammable person. How many times have you got got in the poker world? Oh man, let's yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to talk. <laughs> I, have, I have a, I have a pretty big, um, what's the word? Uh, yeah. Black, whatever. I have, I have some yeah, stuff, but you know, it's part of, it's part of the, it's part of the process. And honestly, it's part of the learning too, right? You kind of learn with friends and people and different, uh, you, you kind of learn like you, when you're loaning or lending or borrowing or trading or whatever, you kind of have to understand what you're, what you're doing and who you're dealing with. And I think, you know, like you mentioned Ben Heath and some of your almost like brothers, right? People that are like your core, your, your, your people, you know, you do anything and they would, they have your back. And then there's yeah. some people where, you know, you're just sort of, uh, they're just there and they're not really part of like your team. And you got to be careful. And you got to realize that if you're not on your toes or sharp and alert and taking protocols, like you're, you're going to be vulnerable for some, some stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm sure you've learned, like you said, you've learned lessons and, and you kind of, you kind of just get it. Like the poker world's great. I'm a lot of my closest or best friends are from poker directly or indirectly. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but there are also some people that are, you know, anytime there's money and glitz and glamor and stuff, there's going to be people looking for angles, looking yeah, at some advantage. It's just, it's just part of the, uh, just goes with it. But I think poker I got, I got, a, I got a question. Yeah. You obviously being quite a positive person, how do you handle the the negativity that's kind of intrinsic within so much of the poker world? Because on Twitch, I'm sure you get a lot of it. On YouTube, I'm sure you get a lot. 
Yeah, YouTube in particular, I think YouTube's tough because like on a highlight, you know, you'll put up a play, like similar to the one you're saying, it's 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 a bit of pressure too cuz like just let's take that one spot where I check back with the full house when the guy has a straight like a, a straight flush. You know, that's not going to be right all the time. And there's times where I'll check back or, I'll, or even even worse, right? You'll get to like play a hand and then fold and that's kind of tricky too, like in a spot where you're just like sure you're beat even though you know you're supposed to call by the book or it's like too too nitty you know and then you're making these plays and, and then you're just going to get roasted for it right like yeah even if you were right you'll never know it because they, they don't know exactly and and uh and that's tough right and then you just get get lambasted people are just like oh you're the worst it's a knit like how can you do this this and that or how do you not value that two pair um in this spot when you know maybe in your head you know the guy's never calling like this particular mm-hmm. player you're free rolling yourself right like you're either gonna get check raised or he's just oh. not or maybe we've just done something really stupid as all human beings do. And that's yeah. just totally fine. And I think that within the micro stakes, the small stakes and the high stakes, there are so many people that take poker so seriously mm-hmm. and I get it. It's a lot of money, but at the same time, if somebody does something stupid, you'll get even the highest stakes players just being like, that guy's a fucking idiot. And they'll say it to like thousands of people. Right. And that's so mean, like saying even a mean thing in front of another one other person is a bit like, well, that's a bit bitchy, but saying it to thousands of people. Um, yeah. So I, I, I always like to be in the mindset of poker is just a game. We don't need to take it seriously. We can all just have fun. We don't need to judge someone else just because that'd be worse than you at poker. And, I, and I'll say this. I have noticed this in the past couple of years, like year two in particular, but I think uh, the, the attitude for poker players and people doing content in particular, Twitch streaming, YouTube, there has been a bit of a shift within the the high stakes community or the, 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 the pro players, because I feel like, you know, I remember at one point, Kevin Martin, let's just take him for example. I am sure you're familiar with, with Kevin. He, uh, he got signed by poker stars and he was playing like $20, $10 tournaments mostly. And people were outraged. They were like, he's, this is a joke. He's a, he's not, he's not like a, he's not good. He's not a good player. He's not good for the game. How could you not sign so-and-so? But that it's been a total shift from like, the players winning high roller EPTs and, and uh, you know, the biggest events and bracelet winners that used to be the deals. These sites were pl- paying guys, yeah. no interest, no, no, uh, you know, not supporting the game, really not supporting the community, not engaging with people. And they were getting ridiculous contracts. And then it's sort of in like maybe three, four years ago, sort of shifted to streamers, content creators, people that want to pot- put the game in a good light. And I think there was like a really negative approach to that right and now i think that people sort of get it like listen if you're the 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 crushers of the world of the game you got to understand too like the game has an ecosystem and you need the people in there streaming putting out twitch content whether they're good players average players not not great players that's how people uh how the game is promoted right so i think there's sort of like an acceptance like all right yeah this guy is not the best player in the world or he's not gto in every spot but he is trying hard he's loves the game and people love to learn and people are learning there's always abilities there's, there's always gonna be someone better than you there's always gonna be someone who needs to learn from you and that's what's cool about twitch you can kind of tap into both sides like i can help people learn and also i can learn and i can put my stuff out there and i can there's times where a troll or someone will say something really nasty but yeah they might be right even right or it's like a great player and he's like yeah man like dude how could you do that and then you start thinking about it and you're like yeah, you know what? That probably was my best. But you also got to remember, hey, I was streaming. I had six tables going. And yeah. And I'm a 
human being yes. out, out of interest. So I think this is probably going to be like a modest estimate, but let's say you're like top 1%. You're probably higher than that, but top 1% of poker players that have ever played poker that have tr have played it like, and to try to take it seriously, I'd say in, in results and in skill, like 1% is probably easy. Do you, given that information, but looking back at how you've been over the last few years, do you still have moments where you seriously doubt your own poker abilities? You know, it's, I, I, I waver because there's times where I'll look back or I'll have a bad day grinding, like losing, you know, I'm playing on party, the 500s, 2Ks, 1Ks, and I'll look back, I'll have a bad day or something. I'll be like, man, that day just was trash. Like what happened? Like I couldn't yeah. get going. I didn't yeah, yeah. I was running bad or whatever. I played bad. And then there's days where like I'll play and I'll have, you know, a great, great result. And I'll be like, man, you know, I was playing two tables. Like uh, my screens kind of went to, went to, went to hell. And then I just had like a couple tables and I really navigated well and final table and went well. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I think I'm like one of the better players playing one or two tables. And then I started as like, I keep having this like dichotomy where I'm like thinking in my head, like, you know, I, and I just see the answer, play less tables, focus, enjoy the Twitch, take the con, you know, take the chat and really embrace it and engage with it and play less tables. And that's the way to go. And then there's days where like, you know what, I just want to play everything. And then it doesn't go well. So I, I kind of go back and forth. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm like, sometimes like, I don't know how, if I really am playing well, and then I feel like I'm very dialed in too. So I, I definitely waver. And I think again, uh, sorry, this is your podcast, so I, I just get like, fired up. <laughs> I, love, I love hearing about it, man. We have um, I, I, uh, I just love. I do. I've accepted. You, you work with mind coaches at all? Do you do any uh, stuff with like Elliot Rowe or any guys like that? Like any of the the sort of mental side, like coaching, actually, or. I've got my my own team of people that uh, that help me. Not not full time hired team, but um, people that I I would consider gurus of mine but obviously you could you could whittle that down to emotional and psychological gurus um but i, I do a lot a lot of work on that kind of stuff not just for poker but for, for my charity as well i, I will say this too because then i want to ask you about this particularly but i had a turning point in my career for sure when a i started working with elliot rowe doing some stuff with him and I I think, to elliot. Great. yeah he in august of 20 18 or 19, I guess, it, or I don't even know now. It's hard to say. Maybe it was two years ago. I, I'd have to think about it. But I was in Barcelona. I actually spoke to him the first day when I found out my wife was pregnant. We were in Barcelona there, and I found it. So it was, uh, what, two, yeah, year 18, 2019. So 2018, August. And I talked with him, and I was playing a tournament, and we, we started breaking stuff down. I started thinking about everything. And I was like, you know what? I had my first two losing World Series of Pokers. It was 2017 in 2018. Okay. So I started thinking about it out loud. I was like, I've won 10 years in a row. I've used raise your edge. Ten years in a row is insane. What's that? 10 years in a row is insane. Yeah. And I, I, I never had a losing year final tables, most summers, like good years. And then I looked and I saw I was negative in 2017. I was negative in 2018. And I started thinking about it out loud. And then I started looking at other stuff. I was like, well, you know, I got I have this, I'm doing that. I have that arrangement. Things have gone well. And then I started and I talked to him and, and sort of looked at it. And I said, what's different? Guess what happened in 2017? I started my YouTube channel uh, doing vlogs mm. in the summer at the World Series. Un unbelievably big undertaking just in terms of even having help with the editing, you know, filming, learning it, titles, descriptions, thumbnails, you know, having a bit, all these different things. I started looking at it and what was different? I was coming to tournaments four or five hours late um, I was, I was 
you know, coming in these 1500s, 1Ks, 2500, 5Ks with 20 blinds, 15 blinds, late regging, not on time. I'm on my phone. I'm filming. I'm recording. Being on the phone is such a huge thing. I, 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 I just imagine as you like not even even you like put it in your bag and at the end of the day or not even on break or just breaks. But like I was completely unpresent, not even like to the point where it was even like almost a joke. Like I was there more to like create the video or like play the tournament. Even, even I look at your uh, Hendon mob and I see it's a lot of quality. It just sort of, I can tell how you're, what you're playing and how you're doing it. Like I was playing every event. I would roll, I would bust the tournament, hop in late on a, a mixed game or something at that day. I just wasn't resting. I was playing every event and just going through, you know, quantity over quality, but it really looked at it. I was like, I'm on my phone. I'm not present and I'm late registering. So like I'm running bad for sure. But I'm also in there with like, I'm losing ace king to ace jack, but I have 15 blinds, you know, I'm all in like whatever. Right. Like it's like you're, the game is taken away. You're not, I used to be there at on the start, you know, chipping up big stack, lower variance doing that. So like, anyway, that was a huge realization. And then I said, well, I just need to be aware I don't have to necessarily change or shift, or maybe I can make some change. Instead of coming so late, I could come two hours earlier, do the stuff from the table, be on my phone, but at least be there earlier. And then I started realizing I have to make a choice and just be okay with that. As long as you're aware, if you know what you're doing, it's a big difference to be aware. Yeah, if you bring it from the subconscious to the conscious, then you're in the right place. Yeah, because it's like, look, I don't have to have the best results in the world, but I'm promote. I'm doing stuff. I'm getting a sponsorship. I'm doing good for the game. I'm helping. I'm doing other things. But am I going to be the? I'm not going to be the best version of myself uh, on the table, and I'm okay with that. As long as I can understand and relate and realize there's a trade off and what make sure I make a choice and what I want to do. That's important, and that was like a huge realization um, to sort of realize that yeah, I'm shifting from full time grinder poker player to different different uh you know so anyway that was like a big mental kind of like trying to understand what was happening and why and is that right or wrong and maybe not right or wrong just in diff- be that it is what it is and then make a choice and be be aware of it so anyway i i want to ask you about uh, they got get, get fired up thinking about it because it's very it's very on these thoughts for a while yeah. And like, for you though, what, so give me like how, how off your phone or how do you, how do you do the YouTube content? Um, and, and how do you balance with being present, being on time and, and getting all this other stuff done uh, and, and, and sort of documenting your journey? Yeah. So for me, the way that I, I would try and make all of these decisions is again, pretty intuitively. I think that it's such a multivariate analysis to be able to judge how much you should be doing one thing in your life and how much you should be doing another thing in your life. Um, so when, for instance, when I'm playing Twitch, sometimes I can a table and be talking to the chat and I'll be absolutely fine. I can sometimes be on my phone sending it like a happy message, but that's only if everything else in the day has kind of like gone very smoothly and I'm feeling great. My energy's great. Um, but then sometimes if I'm at the table and I'll just look at my phone once every five, 10 minutes, that's still too much to distract me because I'm, everything else just isn't in place. And I really need to put all of my focus into that one thing. So I generally will in live poker stay off my phone. I will, I do have the habit and the proclivity of getting distracted 
distracted talking to people because I'm such a talkative person when I'm at the table. Right. And if there's another talkative person at the table, then I feel sorry for the other people at the table, but it, it often just goes off on one. Um, but I, it's definitely, like you said at the beginning, poker is such like a microcosm of real life. You get so many little instances where you get taught a life lesson just in a little moment of poker. And I think when people are switched onto that, then you get such an intense evolution or a spiritual or emotional or psychological evolution in such a short space of time. But I do think that there are quite a lot of people that aren't super switched onto that, um, that won't be paying, won't be bringing these things from the back of their mind to the front of their mind. Yes, it's, it is, uh, it's really interesting. I just think the metaphor with poker and life too. And like you said about learning too, about people, you play with people, you get to know someone pretty well at the table, just like golf. I don't know if you play, you play sports or golf, anything, not much. Play squash. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, but you know, it's like it's. But if you ever like, I'm not a big golfer myself, but I, I think it's a really cool game. It's social. It's fun. I, I used to think it's trash, right? Like I was like, how can people do this? It's so boring or whatever. But you know, it's like you get to learn about people. You play poker with someone, you're gonna get to kind of know, like, how do they handle beats? How do they handle adversity? How, are they happy? Are they are they uh, you know positive? Are they like happy for you? Are they? Is it all about them? Who's gonna slow roll you? Who you can slow roll back? Yeah, like all these type of things. So it's like you can really start to start to get a bit of a, a feel on somebody, how they handle stuff and their emotions and, and how they're balanced or not. But anyway, yeah, it's a it's great. And and the live and online, you know, I think that's the that's the bridge with Twitch. Um that it's different, right? Cause live, when you're playing online, you kind of lose that. You lose that. It's not the same, but like, if you have a pretty good fall engagement, people are talking to you, you're, you're chatting back. They're talking, you know, it's on a delay, but you're engaging. It's, it sort of gives you that live vibe. Like you, like you said, there's people, there's like, sort of like a, there's a, there's someone to report. There's, there's something you have to be like, you're responsible in a way, like, you're accountable, right? It's like a guy's yeah, like a playing. constant feedback loop from the people that are watching saying, this is bad, this is good. And then everything that you do you, within 125 seconds, whatever your delay is, then you get to find out what people think about it, or at least what some people, more vocal people think about it. I absolutely love twitching. I absolutely love the interaction with people in the chat. And I'll sometimes, as you can see right there, my last one, I just got on with Hannah and we just asked questions to the audience and they ask questions back and we got some hyper hyper personal topics covered some really like stuff that would be controversial in other circles but because we created and the people that were watching it created such a positive atmosphere nobody was being judgmental we we were asking like what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done and some of them were like fuck that's really bad <laughs> if you said that publicly you get annihilated but because it was a positive atmosphere then everyone was just like dude We've done stupid shit. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is cool, man. It's Twitch is Twitch is very special. I think it's uh, it, I don't want to say it's saved poker, but I think in a world of solvers and scraping and kind of you know online, just how everything. Yeah, shifted, don't get me started on solvers, man. I can't. <laughs> got yeah. too many rats in me. Yeah, it's. I mean, I it's uh, just thinking like it's sort of combated. There, there there's been a. Uh, I think the content, right? I don't want to say Twitch in particular, but I just think like the broadcasting, the content, the 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 sort of engagement, the YouTube. Now, I I just I want to bring this up just because um, actually this is what happened in 2017. I told you I started a my YouTube channel. Literally, just got a camera. Jamie Staples had told me about it. We did a stream stream house in Montreal. He was like, "You're missing out, man. You got to do YouTube. It's like you know you're gonna like it. It's blah blah." I was like, "I don't know. It's like seems like whatever." I go to the World Series. I pick it up walking around doing my thing that I'd play a tournament kind of don't know what I'm doing just sort of like filming and a guy comes up to me 
And he goes, I have my camera. I'm in like a 1500 WSOP event. He looks at me on a break and he comes over to me and I've been streaming for a couple of years now. Right. So like I'd already been doing some content and I thought he was going to say like, I love your stream or something or whatever. Just cause he's like, Hey man, how's it going? And then he goes, do you know, Doug Polk? And I say, yeah. <laughs> I like, I know Doug. He's like, I'm, he said, the reason I'm here he said, the reason I'm in this WSOP is because I watch his, his vlogs and he was oh, from California. Cool. And he was like, that's why I'm here. He's like, do you know him? And I was like, yeah, no, I know him. That's whatever. But I, he, I had just started like my YouTube maybe two weeks ago, but that was when I realized that content matters, you know, content, people are watching, people are looking, people are learning, people are relating to stuff. So it's like you have an impact and even people that are polarizing, you know, maybe you really don't like them or you do like them. That was when I sort of realized like it matters. It has an impact. People are coming, people are seeing it and it does matter. And I, 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 it happened to be Doug Polk. I did, you know, I I know you and him had a, a a tiff. Uh, I I don't want to spend really any time on it other than just, is there an update like on what have you guys resolved? You talk, is there any, like, was there any closure on that? Or I honestly don't even know what happened other than there was some back and forth and you know, Doug's very polarizing again. He loves to, he takes something, makes a thing, gets a lot of hits and views and does this sort of thing. And uh, he's kind of out of poker now um, anyway, but um, does, is there any, what, just do you have any words on that on what happened or what, what is, is it off closed or where is that? Yeah. So we haven't had any closure on it uh, at least mutually, but I, I would say about maybe a month ago, I finally got to the point where I, I'd say I can almost completely say I've forgiven him. And it was one of those situations where it was definitely a huge learning lesson for me, where basically we spoke, I spoke publicly, which I've done a bunch of times, but it was on Twitter, which was a mistake, uh, about the most controversial topic you can ever speak about. And it's something that's affected me and my, my girlfriends uh, quite significantly. And it's, it's uh, pedophilia and child molestation. And it's something that we've both suffered at um, from when we were younger. And it's something that we both have quite a, a large drive to try and change the world so there's less of it happening so fewer people suffer in the way that we have and that often comes from suffering you empathize and then you want to change stuff okay um so i, I made a comment which was a very polarizing comment and i don't want to say it again because i know how polarizing it is unless like you, unless you give like half an hour of context and you bring on a a, a scientist and you bring on a psychologist and stuff like that. Don't, but, don't say that. And I actually don't like, that's what I'm saying. I, I follow a lot of, I try to keep an eye on stuff and watch whatever I can and just stay in tune. So I don't even know what you're referencing. So, but yeah, don't say it, but okay. So this happened. And then, and then. Yeah. So, so, so I think Doug had like a personal jihad against me for a while. I, I'd spoken uh, publicly criticizing the way that he was being quite mean to other people. And um, he had always kind of stayed quiet. And, uh, he then made this, this YouTube video that was just really ripping into me, taking so many things that I was doing so many things that I was saying out of context. Right. Uh, it came just after I'd been to a huge tournament for 1.3 million my, uh, pounds. And it was my biggest ever score. So it was this really like high and then crash of my emotions. Cause it really hit me hard because okay. it's such a personal subject. And he took so many things that I said out of context and really just put his YouTube channel at, uh, at my throat. And it, it really, really hurt me emotionally. It really, really got to me. And, uh, it really triggered out a lot of things that came from like when I was younger and I was bullied and things like that. Um, but at the same time, I want to say that even though I think that he was completely in the wrong for doing what he did, I do think that Doug in general is a really cool person. And I think that even though he's a very polarizing in his actions, I do think he genuinely does 
care about doing the right thing. Um, but I think that he, he maybe hasn't quite dealt with his, his own demons. And he, he's, he'd much rather point the finger at other people's ostensible demons. Um, but yeah, I, even though he did what I consider at least to be quite cruel things to me, um, I, I still think he's an incredible human being. He's so driven. He's so funny. He's done great things for poker. He's one of those people that is such a good achiever. And I think that if he channeled his energy in a really positive way, he could be a huge force in the world. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I don't like getting in, in Twitter beef. I don't like getting in YouTube beef. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's kind of childish and it's kind of, it is something that goes with the poker world, but I, 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 I try to stay out of it, but, um, yeah, I've, I've only got love for the guy now. All right. That's great to hear. I mean, I think that's a, that's a huge part of these type of things. It's uh, it's important to kind of forgive or move on or, or realize, look at things from a different, different perspective. Also, that's something my dad taught me a lot is like, it's not about what happens. It's how you react to what happens because stuff's going to happen, right? People are going to die. You're going to downswing. People are going to down, you're going to downswing or how, or whatever extreme you want to take at, you know, looking at black Friday, for example, for me, that was just like an example of like, Oh, that's for, for many people. It was like, this is it. Like I'm USA. I live wherever I'm not going to be able to, you know, do what I'm doing. I can't play from home. It's the, it's like, that's my career, you know, sort of like over or change. And then it turns into be a huge positive. Uh, so it's like just looking at events or things that can, it can, it can shift or, or, or maybe get you to feel emotion or, or, or drive you in a way that, that can, that can, that can take you to a different, uh, different level. So no, that's why well, it's great to hear that, that that's how you are approaching that. And, and again, I'm not very aware of what happened, but that sounds, uh, it sounds good that you're, that that's the, the, the way you're coming about it. And hopefully that you guys move forward and every, there's no, you know, whatever it's resolved or, or however it is. I will say too, with Doug, like I had, uh, Alec Torelli on my podcast recently. I don't know why. Yeah. And he, I didn't even, we didn't even go there, but same kind of thing. You know, it, it is, it's, it's, it's different. Doug has such a following and an impact. Like, right. You can, you can really, just like in media, you can take clips or put stuff together or make stuff look however. So it's kind of tricky, right? You can really, yeah. you can really drive and do something and make, make things go uh, away. I mean, also I'm just say too, Doug, you know, it's just like his way of, uh, you know, I I've heard him like say stuff about what he thinks the streamers or, or I'm sorry, people are getting paid different salaries of like, of, um, you know how he has like his opinion or his thing. And he's not always he all to make hundred K a year to be a, something to be professional to be successful in poker or something like that well no i i, I well yeah and it, it just in terms of uh again not, it's personal stuff people always ask, oh how much do you get paid by a star how much are you getting paid by parties and that like i'm saying his like how he perceives or projects or, or, or kind of uh puts his uh words on stuff like i think he's just misinformed in certain things but it's like his way of sort of demeaning or, or sort of taking away from some people and i, I don't know like again yeah. i yeah there are definitely people in the world that like to drag others down. Um, but at the same time, I, I would still like to say that I think he's, he thinks he's doing the right thing. And I think he, he's coming in some ways from a really good place. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's one of those weird things about the internet is that we have so many unelected officials now that have more influence than actual politicians because they either have millions of subscribers or in Doug's case, hundreds of thousands and people haven't been trained, you know, they haven't gone to university to, to utilize their following. They haven't been taught how to speak in front of hundreds of thousands of people. They haven't been taught the repercussions of saying something that might be completely inaccurate in front of hundreds of thousands of people. So it's, it's not a surprise. And I think 
almost all of us would make huge, huge, huge mistakes if we were speaking like that in front of uh, in front of that many people. And so it, I, I, I think it's completely understandable that he's he's kind of uh, missed the missed the stick on that one. Yeah. No. Again, I, I have. I think Doug's done a lot for poker. A lot for he. He. He means well. I think the, my interactions with him always been positive, and I think he's. Uh, he like you said. We'll leave it there. That's it. So it's good yeah. that 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 is addressed, and and uh, I'm, I'm, I hope that you know, everything moves uh, moves in the right direction with that. I saw you mentioned that was your biggest. Was it one point? You're talking about the one point three million pound. Is this the one? And the shout London? out to Trident. I yeah. before Trident, I hadn't played poker for a year. So I took a year out uh, to to work on my charities, and um, yeah, it's uh, it was such a nice feeling because every single time I come back to poker, there are people who are just being like, "There's no way he can start winning again," and then to, like have a have a lucky bank is like, <laughs> even if I suck, I'm still making money. Yeah, that well, that that I, I don't know the luck. I mean, look at that lineup. Look at that final table. I think I, I was actually. I was doing the commentary for money of this stuff here and I, I was getting to see a lot of your play. Um, I mean, that was uh yeah, that's a, that's a very healthy, healthy score. So what look, I mean, look at that lineup. That was not, not a, not an easy walk through there. What was uh that's your biggest score of your career or. I think so. Yeah. 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 1.6. So what, what, uh, after that, did, was there any kind of like, all right, I'm going to do this more, do it less, or you're just kind of content with, you know, because that's what I'm saying. Your range is like no one's. You ha- you play in 50Ks, 100Ks, and then you're doing a $50 bankroll challenge. I mean, that to me is incredible. How do you, uh, how do you go from playing a 50K and winning 1.6 million US dollars to doing a $50 10K bankroll? What does the mindset take to do that? Yeah, I just love poker. You know, I, I love the challenge. And as much as people say that it's not, micro stakes is challenging you know it's not hard to win in the long run if you're a good player that's almost always going to happen but there are certain spots where you could be making like five bp per hundreds over a large sample more if you're paying more attention and exploiting people in different ways and so there's still it's still an unperfected game like if you're playing the bankroll challenge or if you're playing if you're playing like two and l even it's still a game that you could be you could try and be the best in the world at playing 2NL, you know? So there's, there's an art to exploiting bad players or people who are new to the game. There's an art to exploiting recreational players. And I find that just as fascinating or maybe not quite just as fascinating, but almost as I do trying to exploit the the best players in the world. And, and you, what is, uh, you said you, you stopped or paused did you pick up the bankroll challenge or is this a separate one because you said that you had were doing one and then you you uh didn't complete it did you pick that up where it was or was this a, a brand new fresh start yeah it's the same one same one so what what when you pause what was it at how much i can't remember i i went from like 50 to 200 in about 10 sessions and maybe 300 i can't remember and then uh yeah picked it up again uh about two weeks ago and that's when you had a bink, as you said, it was one, almost more more grat- satisfaction or just the more electric than winning almost any kind of event. You felt it, and it was just it was on Twitch. <laughs> and you did it live on Twitch. Yeah. How many? Um, how how did you get? How did you get going on Twitch? When did you start that? And and how is that? Is that something that you have you gone in big waves of like streaming every day for a week or two, and then you're off for like months or even a year? Like, what's your Twitch schedule look like? Yeah, I go pretty intense. Uh, I can't remember why I started. I almost zero recollection of that that period of my life. I've kind of repressed. Um, but 
it was a, it was a tough part of my life. And I think I was using Twitch as kind of almost an escape because it was such a fun new world to, uh, to explore. And I, yeah, I just, I just loved it from day one. And something I found quite quickly is that it, it really helps you fine tune different aspects of your personality. So for instance, I, I think I I've got significantly more articulate since I've been on Twitch because you have to practice talking all the time, something that poker players don't have to do ever. And uh, I think I've got particularly more thick skin since being on Twitch because you have to deal with trolls every now and again, or sometimes all the time if you've got a larger audience. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that Twitch bring me. And if uh, if you could have your optimal Twitch session, what would it look like in terms of tables? Do you find that with engaging in the chat and then being able to play? Because it, it, what would you equate to? What do you think it equates streaming for tables? Like let's say you're playing four eight max tables in a tournament and then you stream mm -hmm. on Twitch. Does that add one table, two tables, four tables? What, what kind of concentration equivalent do you think that is? Yeah, it, it depends. It depends how much you're interacting with them. But uh, if I'm going full interaction, that's probably like a good, good 12 tables for me because I'll be asking questions. I'll be answering questions and I'll be going so personal and I'll be being so vulnerable that all of my, all of my attention is on just like, don't make yourself so vulnerable that you're going to end up like, shedding a tear in front of thousands of people, you know, and the, you're going to lose, lose track of poker and all of these different things. But then you, then you, if you're just speaking about poker and you're just commentating and you, you, you know, you're answering a few questions about why you see it in a certain spot, then they're not maybe like two or three tables. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, I keep, um, I'm almost today. I'm going to stream after this. And I actually, I might even just do it. Like I, I think that Somerville, he was obviously like the original OG streamed and he I see him streaming some again now, which is great. does run it up, done a ton for poker. Um, you know, he's, he's a big proponent of like the one table. He plays one table and just, wow. Chat. I didn't know that. That's yeah. strong. Maybe two or maybe, and then he's got some on his background, but he is just, it's incredible to watch. And I, part of me just wants to do that because I just, but it's just tough, you know, cause then it's like, Oh, you bust out. One, ta one tabling's hard, man. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> so hard. I just don't know. I want to like, I just really want to, I really want to do it. I just don't know if I, if I, it's just so hard to to, if you like bust and then you just like pick up something. So maybe like two is the answer or something. Yeah. I, yeah. Maybe if you, if you just set the intention of just having fun, that stream and interacting with people and it's not like a huge tournament, then that might be okay. But it really is a test of like your Zen skills. If you're one tabling a really important tournament, if it's like really important, but not super important, then it's really tough. If it's like the most important tournament you're ever going to play, then it's so easy to one table because every single raise and take it that someone else gets you like, Oh my God, the chips have changed. Yeah. You know, but when, when it's like a kind of important, when it's like a 5k or something like that, then you just be like, oh, man, I want my, my brain's just going like 12 other places. Like I'm, I'm wanting to play chess on the side or something like that. It's like, come on, I need something yeah. else. Have you played any of these poker masters? Are you going to play any coming up this weekend or, or have you looked at those at all? Or do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I've played the 25Ks a couple of times, uh, but the, the time the time schedules are just so so brutal for me because I wake up early usually. And now I, I then have to play until like 6 a.m. if I do well. And then I've got a day two and then it's, yeah, it's, it's really rough for me. But I'll, I'll probably play a few more of the poker masters. Uh, I'll, I'll probably play this Sunday if they're on. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to play the Sunday 10K. I, I think the Sundays get, they obviously are bigger, right? I mean, that should be over, it's a bigger guaranteed 500K, but probably get a million. It's real names as well, which is um, interesting on there. What, what, are your thoughts, oh, yeah. what are your thoughts on the real name structure stuff, the parties trying, and also the uh, no HUDs? What do you think about HUDs? 
I think HUDs are stupid. I love, I, I, I use a HUD because everyone else is using a HUD. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's such an unfair advantage to recreational players. It's so stupid. You know, it's like people have this extra database of information on these players and they're not even aware of it. So we're, we're essentially just playing a different game. And I think it's one of the more, pred- along with scripts, I think it's one of the more predatory parts of poker. But at the same time, if you want to be successful grinding up in the stakes, you have to get a HUD because everyone, all the other regs have got a HUD and they've got stats on you. So, so it's, it's one of those. Do you feel it's refreshing to know party poker is outlawed HUDs and everyone I, I else? Absolutely love that. Yeah. And I, I think the real name thing's pretty cool. I, I've now managed to change my party poker screen name. So I, nobody knows what my party poker screen name is. And oh, I love it so much. I just like limp the first hand, get my fish label and then just min raise bluff everything. And if oh, everything works again, I can I finally got fold equity again. Cause everyone knows I'm crazy. Everyone knows that I bluff all the time. So I've had to like stop bluffing in some spots. Um, but now, now I can just, yeah, I've just gone mental having a great time. And, and what do you think about with that? Do you feel that you're giving up a decent advantage with streaming in terms of playing the high stakes? Do you have a rule? Is that something you try not to do? Because even like that's kind of fun, right? The bankroll challenge in that sense where you're not worried about giving stuff away or, or whatnot. But if you're playing the 25Ks and stuff and you're, your whole cards are up and you have note, your notes are showing or your color on a guy or you're doing stuff for them, like do, do you kind of do you ever level yourself? Do you ever look at it and say, oh, this guy's been watching me or maybe he's watching and I'm going to play differently or, or do you just kind of just do your thing? Yeah, I level myself not because I think that they might be watching, but because what is I guess I guess it's because I think that they might think certain things about me. So like because people have watched me stream, they now probably understand exactly how crazy I am when I play. Like I'm I'm one of the most aggressive high stakes regulars, maybe the most that, that's been successful in the high stakes. And there are certain spots where I just have never been called down. But now I assume at least some hands of like people have seen them. So I've, I've I level myself being like, oh, I probably shouldn't bluff this spot now because they might have seen some other thing or they might have heard it from someone else. Um, so I do think that it can be a detriment, but at the same time, I'm a big believer in the spiritual esoteric energy shit. I love having loads of people behind me and the, the Twitch run good seems to be pretty real when the energy is good. Yes. Energy is energy is powerful. There's no question about it. Um, how do you feel about, this 10 million, do you, do, you, do you look at your hen and mob? Are you aware of like your GPI? Is that stuff you've chased? Do you say, I'm going to hit 10 million? Is that like a goal of yours? Any of that kind of stuff? Or do you just sort of play and don't pay attention? Where do you, where do you fall on that spectrum? So I, I used to have the goal that I wanted to be the best poker player in the world. When I first started playing poker and I, I shot through the ranks at a time where people said that it was almost impossible to do so, I was like, okay, I'm, I really want to be the best player in the world. Um, but a, a moment came where uh, I I decided that I was going to start one of my charities. By the way, first charity launching in two months. So excited to tell people about it. Um, I want to hear about that for sure. I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're so so excited for it, man. It, my my life and soul has gone into this this baby. But um, I made a decision. I was meditating, and I was like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to start this charity. I can't play poker as much as I was before. And I, I actually made the decision to completely stop playing poker. And only since I've now had a bit of a slow period, turns out charities take a lot longer to start than I thought um, because of all the fucking bureaucracy and paperwork and whatnot. Um, only because there's been a slow period, I've, I've kind of uh, engaged with poker again. But um, yeah, I went from wanting to be the best poker player in the world and looking at all of my ratings and rankings and stuff to I, I have no idea. And now I... I I wouldn't know how to rank in, in GPI or anything like that. And 
interesting though about the charity stuff makes sense though right because it, it's a pretty intense thing where there's a lot i hear a lot too about a lot of charities they take this percent or it's like it's 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 a there are scams out there in general right like it's it's a very the scam is such a nasty word it's like to use charity and scam even in the same sentence it's sort of like gives me like the, the yeah it gives me the heebie-jeebies too but it's true there's so many yeah. so many people just siphoning off the top even yeah. if it's not a direct scam but yeah that's why yeah. my, my charities i've uh, i've made sure that not a single person who i'm hiring is going to be paid anything but their wage and i'm not taking a, a single penny from any of anything that that's connected to my charity so uh, oh, that, that's amazing and like i said that's what i'm saying it's, it's it makes sense that there's a lot of paperwork it's not just like anyone can say oh i'm doing this thing i mean there's these gofundmes and other stuff and where it's like it's kind of hard to say or they take up you know so it's like it, it's it's a bit of a tricky thing but that so you're saying it takes time it takes effort you got to learn it you got to make sure it's done right you got to have protocols make a lot of mistakes as well yes and 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 do that so i tell us a little bit about before because I, I do want to hit we have about a hundred questions which is uh pretty wild i mean there's a there's a hundred oh, just just seeing twitter makes my stomach just go <laughs> well, i don't want to make you yeah i don't want to i don't want to see me throw up on stream um yeah sorry what were you gonna say yeah i was gonna say so talk, let's is, it's on your website here where can we look at this to talk about a little bit more and when that's going to be available for people to get involved and, and here's your you do have a website and you do have do some coaching uh and whatnot but is this is uh is this where the charity is on here or not no, the, the charity website is going to be live in in the next month okay. um it's uh i i'm not even going to give out give yeah, out the, say, yeah, done that but um yeah everything's kind of bubbling up until we go for the big launch and I've, I've got a lot of media plans to launch it but the the website i sell a masterclass and uh we're actually going to be launching a spiritual masterclass which is going to be focused on uh helping people navigate their emotions and uh different aspects of spirituality and and psychology um all directed to being successful in a particular domain often poker but also other domains as well so that's a few things i've got, got going on behind the scenes very cool and, and is this the best way if people want to follow you don't have a twitter or you don't use it is do you um is instagram is that the best way to stay in touch with you or how or i mean you have your yeah. twitch you have youtube but in terms of sort of active content stories and whatnot are you pretty active on instagram i have a company posting for me on instagram but i do make sure that i read every single message that i get because i'm not super duper famous so i you know i can take a a few minutes out a day to read all the messages even if i can't reply to them all um so if anyone wants to reach out and say hi and and you know share i love it when people share really personal messages or personal life stories with me that, that makes me really happy okay let's yeah so that's a good guys if you're watching give them a follow check it out and if you want to send a message he will at least see it you know he can't respond obviously to everything but you'll take a peek and, and try to do your best obviously that's uh yeah can't do it all but you try you know and, and what about youtube your youtube channel which is over thirty thousand, very very strong growth you've been doing this for for how long and is this something looks like you have, I have no idea how long i've been doing it you have a steady flow going here though it looks like i mean there's there's a yeah i i stopped for a while like um but I, but since since our lord corona has uh allowed us all the the, the graceful indoor time with our fr friends and family then uh i've i've spent a lot of time uh posting daily content at the moment on youtube and for you is this uh 
is this something looking back? I mean, do you kind of, is it fun for you? Do you ever scroll through? Cause like how I look at YouTube is kind of like a journal and in a way where I look at like some vlogs highlights and it's kind of cool to like go back. Cause it sort of blends together in poker. In my opinion, you know, you go to Vegas, you're in, you're in Monaco. It's like what everything is like, what year was that? What happened? It's kind of cool to have a, a, a reference pointer to have a sort of a catalog of stuff. Do you, do you look at it that way or how do you view you know, you're putting out content for people to engage and learn, but how, what has been, I guess, the, your favorite part of, of having a YouTube channel and, and having content? Yeah, it's a really interesting way of looking at it. I've never thought of it like that at all, but maybe I could because, yeah, I never scroll back through my other videos. I, I never really, I watch all my videos once and then never, never look at them again. But that, that's, that's kind of cool because I've never had the motivation to keep a journal. Uh, or a diary if you're English. And I've always wanted to because I think that you can get so much fun out of one experience by remembering it over and over and over again. And, you know, a journal can help you do that. Um, so may maybe I will start seeing, seeing YouTube like that. Maybe I'll, I'll start adding a bit more of my, uh, my personality into it if I started to say that. Very cool. And what about, what about, uh, uh, kids, you're young, 26. Is that something? Would you do you look at down the line? Is that something you would ideally like to have? Is uh, is is a family and, and children? Yeah. So when I was younger, I always used to think that I'd never have kids. I was like, it just it's so illogical. But now it's it's yeah, I can't wait. I think it's going to be at least five, probably ten years before I have have a child because I, I've got a lot I want to achieve in in the philanthropy sector and in poker and in business and stuff like that. Um, but having now been with somebody that I'm absolutely in love with that has really changed me as a person, helped me mature. It's, it's really opened the, my eyes up to how beautiful it could be to have children. So for, for you, was it as, as life changing as they say it is? Yeah. I, well, you know, I, my, I met my now wife at burning man. So we got a burning man. <laughs> That's sick, man. Really, no way. That, that on the playa, I love, they say there's no love. Like you, what's that? Were you both sober? Yeah. When you met? Well, she was, I, I actually, it's funny. Cause I, I met her at like seven in the morning and she was doing the sunrise sort of routine, like get up at five 30. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I was, um, doing the other routine, the late. I night. love that. That's my favorite moment in any festival watching about six, seven, eight AM when the only people that are up are like the yogis and the people on MDMA that are coming down. <laughs> it's such a beautiful watching them interact being like, Hello, how are you? And they're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. I was actually with Philip Gruesome. We were, his bike got stolen and I was with him and I was, I was on my bike and our group kind of was going to this other exhibit. And then he, I was walking with him on my bike. Like, so just, he was walking, I was just kind of rolling next yeah. to him. And then, you know, the, my uh, now wife walked by and I turned around and she turned around and then I went back over to her and started talking to her and now, and Phil was with wow. me. And, um, hey, yeah. shout, out to that. shout out to the confidence of being able to just turn around and talk to someone. That's 99% of people don't have that. Well, you know, I had, uh, I was, uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a fun night. It was fun times, man. It was good. That, Burning man. You look, have you not been to Burning man? I, uh, I look like the kind of person that might live there, but, uh, <laughs> it's not, I've never been. You, you should, once the world gets back in order, you should, um, you should take a peek there. I think that would be, that would be a fun, you would have a good time. Just, I mean, I think oh, anyone right. would have a good time, but just extra, like your sort of vibe is definitely has a, has a, that, that sort of uh, flow to it. I think you would, it'd be worth checking okay. out. I would just say, put it on your calendar for, uh, for the future. Um, speaking of COVID-19, it's almost become numb. Um, you know, I've done a, a fair amount of podcasts during the time, like to check in. It's almost at this point, like, I don't want to say 
it's just kind of like, all right, it is what it is, but how has that impacted you? Have you had any different, uh, difference in lifestyle? Is there any sort of, uh, extra, you know, message or, or learning you've had during this time or, or what you would say on the overall situation? Yeah, it's a good question. I've got, I've got a few conspiracy theories. I'm not going to mention that I have about uh, COVID-19. I've, I've seen some things behind the scenes that I've, I'm, I'm very skeptical of it all, but obviously it's a very my wife, serious. My wife's on your, in your camp. She's very, oh, yeah. she's, you know, USA hasn't been in the moon, this type of stuff. Like, you know, I, oh, I, big one. yeah, that's a big one for sure. But no, I, I hear what you're saying. Obviously there's a, it either is or isn't right. Either something that was something happened or it was an accident or it wasn't. It's kind of ace king to Queens most likely. The, you know, <laughs> yeah. right? I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really easy to get lost in conspiracy theories. So I, I try not to, but I, I do definitely hold, hold a lot of, uh, a lot of secret opinions on that, that kind of stuff. And uh, I've heard some things about, about COVID-19, but anyway, that aside, I've enjoyed the time so much. It's my, my life has got significantly better since COVID-19. Um, and obviously you and I are both in positions of absolute privilege that, you know, we, our, our profession is online. We're not affected by it. We're young and healthy. We're unlikely to die if we do get it. All of the disclaimers that it is, it's a very serious problem for a lot of people and to die of a disease is probably one of the worst ways to go. So it's, it's not something to laugh at, but at the same time to find the good and the bad, um, it, it's brought a lot of people inwards instead of outwards i think like uh, a lot of people even though you can distract yourself at home it's hard to distract yourself all day every day and i think a lot of people have had had the uh had kind of their routine shoved in their face being like hey you're not being productive hey you're not being productive hey you're not being and they don't have any excuses now they can't be like well i work all day um so i think a lot of people have kind of turned to new skills a lot of people have turned to spirituality a lot of people have turned to connecting with other people yeah um so, yeah, I, I think a lot of really cool things uh, are going to come from COVID-19. Yeah. And, and there was some talk. I saw some, some, um, yeah, even just for obvious reasons, creativity wise, I think, you know, it's one of those things where you're going to end up hearing about something was created or, you know, some cre- people were forced into, uh, even for myself, it's like being able to, I, I want to use the word FOMO, right? Like, it's like, oh, there's this, there's that event going on. You got this obligation or there's a friend's wedding. And these, it's just like, it's so many like, kind of stuff happening, right? Where it's like, all right, you're just doing what you do. And maybe you get to optimize, you get to learn a language, you get to, you get to create something or focus in on something or grow something and do something more productive. So I think overall, you know, hopefully everything gets back to normal uh, and mm-hmm. whatever that means, like in a way mm-hmm. where they're operating. But I think the world also has like a pause from pollution, from other things, maybe law, like people are able to sit back, take a look at some things and sort of a, sort of like a world reset, which, um, you know, it's kind of, it's crazy. It's, it's hopefully will be a once in a lifetime event where there's something like this kind of uh, for us, right? Like it seems like this happens about every hundred years or so. There's some kind of like the Spanish flu or some sort of pandemic that's like really makes everyone stop and pause. And I think now it's obviously with technology, it's, it's the first time ever, right? Where everyone's like, it's like, we're all stopped, but we're all engaged and there's information and everyone's sort of uh, taking it all in at once. So it's a very unique and, 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 um, yeah, it's, it's a crazy spot, right? So it's in a moment it's in time, so we won't forget. Yeah, one, one really cool thing that's come from it, just last thing to say on it, is that 
um, homelessness, which is one, one, one of my charities is going to be tackling within the UK, has had huge leaps and bounds just overnight. And it's really, even though I think that the government's probably just going to put them back on the street, they, they've housed them temporarily for, a, for a, some amounts of time to stop the virus from spreading throughout the UK. Okay. And it's set a precedent saying, this is what you're capable of. And now people can look at that and be like, well, if you could do that during COVID-19 when our economy is crashing, why can't you do it now? So what charity is going to be doing is a lot of, a, a lot of political lobbying. Uh, I've been taking behind the scenes uh, politics lessons for quite a while now. And I, I really think this, this is going to be a huge movement, not just for the UK, but I think it could also then have a spring effect to other countries being like, look what the government can do when it really has to do it. So it's one really exciting thing that's coming from it. Absolutely. Let me ask you about your the charity that you're working with. You know, I know speaking of Philip Grusom, uh, Reg, Liberi, these guys, the Reg charity does a lot. And that's one of their things. They, they're basically saying, look, we're going to um, raise for effective giving. We're going to find a way and put it to the best place, make sure it's not money's not coming off the top or, you know, do the best of the ability. And they've been very active, vocal and, and, and involved in poker. What, what are your thoughts on Reg? How does it how, and how does your charity, how will it differ? What would be the difference between just sort of partnering or doing something and getting involved with Reg versus doing doing what you're doing? What What is uh, talking a little bit about what the differences would be and, and what you think about Reg? Yeah, I don't know enough about Reg. I know the people and every single one of them that I've met, including Liv, Philip, um, Igor, people like that, they've all just been such beautiful people and they've all been so articulate and intelligent and good hearted and they've really wanted to do good things in the world. So I, I can't imagine there's much bad stuff going on in reg. I just, I just don't know any of any of the details. Uh, the, the difference for, for my charity at least is that um, what I'm envisioning is more of a movement although we, we do have uh, a, a lot of very uh, specific things that we're going to be doing to tackle homelessness. I've been in contact with a lot of the, the CEOs and founders of the top charities within the UK. Mm-hmm. And what we're planning on doing is bringing an organization to charity and philanthropy that has never existed before. Because when you get deep into the philanthropy sector, you start realizing there's actually so many charities and so many good people out there, but there's no organizational force apart from the government. And the government just sucked at that. They're good at other stuff. They're great at post offices and stuff, but they really suck at philanthropy because they need to put everything through law. They need to, you know, it's a bureaucratic nightmare for actually trying to get, get stuff done. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, it's sort of one of those things, right? Be CEO or work for someone or do your own. It's sort of like, all right, they're probably doing well. They're probably doing, you know, a great job and they're doing, they're definitely being effective but you're doing your own, you know what you want to do. You have your mission, your statement, your the organizations you want to focus on and you're able to really just take control. I mean, that, that, that seems to be what I hear you saying. And that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's the plan as well as some, some technological innovation that we've got going on. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, I, I just want to close it kind of, again, we got a lot of questions. I don't, we will uh, try to just scroll through those in terms of your, let me just look here at the, uh, hen and mob. Is there any other, any other events? Is there something besides we looked at your live, uh, you know, you had a nice live score early. You hit the million dollar score. Not that long after you start playing high rollers and it looks like most of your buy-ins, you know, I've increased, you're playing hundred K's. 
Is there any other moments in your career that were pivotal? Did you ever have like maybe a downswing that you that sparked you out of it or anything that was uh, like one that stands out as a, as a special moment in your career besides? Yeah. So, so two, two things come to mind. One is the incredible story I have for winning the scoop main event, but I'll go for the more humiliating story, which is when I went broke. Okay. Um, so it was sometime after I won that, that first million 1.2 million score. And I, back when I was younger back when I was between the ages of about 14 and 20, I was a compulsive liar, complete liar. It was due to all of the trauma I had as a kid. It was a defense mechanism. I had zero empathy and I was, I was basically just a robot out for himself having fun. Um, but one of the things that happened when I was playing poker is that I would sometimes lie about how much money I had. And I would lie, not just to public. I would lie to my best friends. I would lie to myself and I would lie to my girlfriends and stuff like that. And it was, it was to do looking back about, it was to do with, wanting to come across like I was super successful, even though I'd obviously had a lot of success. I, I, for some reason needed to come across more successful and I thought it was plus EV to lie. And obviously it wasn't, it was so looking back. What period is this you're saying? It was, so I, I, I stopped lying properly, probably like three and a half to four years ago. Um, so I think, I can't, I, I can't remember the, the exact dates, but it, it was, it was probably the next six months after that, um, that big win in Monte Carlo anyway. So what, what I would do is I had this bankroll in my head, the lie bankroll that I told other people that I had, and I had a real bankroll, but for some weird cognitive dissonance reason, whenever I would play a tournament, I would put in the amount of money as it, as though I had this imaginary bankroll. So my bankroll management was just terrible. So I went from having, I can't remember, like 600K all the way down to having about zero. And I thought I had 40K, but I was so disorganized that some people didn't owe me 40K when I, when I thought they did. And I put 5K into a tournament and it was my last 5K. And it was uh, a score you'll be able to see on Hand and Mob. I it came first for like $180K or something like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, in, uh, in Ireland, Dublin. No, no, it's in Monte Carlo. Oh, uh, Monte Carlo. Well, I see you had the 1.2 million in May of 2015. 1.2 million. Yeah. So it was after this. Yeah, it was after that. But it was in Monte Carlo as well. Yeah, I can't remember exactly oh, okay. when it was. I see it. Well, 5K. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was my last 5k. And after that, I went on the most insane upswing. Like I, I played high rollers and I, I think I played 14 and I final tabled like 11 of them, which is just insane. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it was absolutely insane. The universe really had my back on that one, but it's, it's one of those things that I could just be sitting here now being like, Oh yeah, I, I was doing really well. And then I just went broke and I never made it back. You know, it, I, I got really, really lucky at that point. It taught me some huge lessons about not lying, about being honest with myself, about bankroll management, about organization, all of these different things. But um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty humiliating to look back on and to tell people about, but I've got to be honest. It's part of your path, right? It's part of, like you said, I mean, maybe that was uh, for the best or not about what happens, how you react and you made a conscious choice. Do you think if you were to tell someone that sort of lives a lie or constantly is doing that uh, similar, maybe a different scale or level, um, just doesn't matter that they're, they're just kind of caught in this trap of like, just constantly doing that. What, and they may not have a chance to hit a tournament score or, you know, some kind of thing to get them out of that. How would you tell someone that they could 
shift and just change and say, make a decision. I'm going to stop. How do you do that? That's a really, really good question. Um, so I think that the first thing for me at being an ex compulsive liar was realizing rationally that almost no lie is plus EV. Almost no lie is going to be best for you in the long term. It does some stuff. It changes who you are. It changes how you act. It changes how people perceive you. And some people are so perceptive to liars that they can just sniff one out by just looking at them or hearing something that they say. And the negatives that come back from spreading lies come back to you in ways that you couldn't possibly imagine. So I'd say as soon as you understand that rationally, every single lie you have, especially to the people that, that are close to you, but even to strangers on the street, unless it's in maybe like self-defense, you know, if someone's like, have, have you got any money? And you're just like, yeah, but there's 50 pounds. You throw it and there's, you know, you've got more and they might kill you for it, except whatever. Um, unless it, unless it's a very extreme scenario, you know, trying to hide nuclear codes or something, then it's every single time going to be in your best interest to tell the truth as best as you can. And as soon as you come to that conclusion rationally yourself, then what I did is even though I was a compulsive liar, I would stop myself mid conversation I'd, and be like, Hey guys, guys, this is really, really embarrassing. But the thing I said like two sentences ago, that was a complete lie. I'm actually, you know, not as successful as that, whatever, you know, and that happened many times. Um, so I, for me, that was, that was the way that I, I, I got out of the, the circles. I pretty, pretty brutal forced my way out of it. Interesting. Very interesting. I see, uh, we have, John Duffy, the John Duffy in the chat saying, always been a fan of Charlie. Frustrating Shut to play, up, I guess, but always challenging. Good job with the charity stuff. So it's nice to see John okay. checking in. Hopefully get him on the podcast coming up. He's uh, definitely a legend of the game. Been around. Always for a pleasure years. to play against John at the table. Yeah. Gentlemen, right? You guys have you battled a fair amount. Yeah. I remember, oh, man, I remember a few hands we played against each other in a 25K. I think I think he owned Ben, and then I got him back and just like called it him or something. <laughs> and and when you say Ben got and got him back, like Ben, so is, is that fair to say Ben is like Ben? And I, I think what uh, grips do you do some work with or did like who is your core team of people you talk, bounce hands off of, um, you know, share stuff with, success and and tribulations? Who do you uh, who do you kind of go to? So quick shout out to, to Grips because he was the only person whose content I really watched. I never got any coaching. I got like one session of coaching ever and uh, I never watched any of the training videos. I just taught myself, but he, his bankroll challenge videos, which I think are still up on YouTube, taught me how to play successfully to the point where I could still beat one, two. And that was the only content I was watching. Um, so shout out to him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had anywhere as good a career as if, as I did without him. Ben and I worked our way up from, so I started kind of coaching him when he was at 10 and L and now he's playing the super high rollers, had super loads of success, but he's, he's turned very GTO recently, which is very good for him. GTO can be very powerfully used if uh, in the right circumstances, but it does mean that when we're speaking hands, we're just, we're talking another language, um, but we're, we're going to start connecting again on speaking hands. But apart from that, I don't, I don't really speak to anyone about Boga. You know, it's funny. I just was, was scrolling through, uh, I think it was 2016 and I, I believe you might have cashed us too but i remember i'm just looking at ben heath and looking kind of he's had a ridiculous run and success but i think we were in a uh, i think it was this one yeah a 25k and i think he i remember losing a hand to him but it was like ace three a hearts to kings but i remember you being on the rail uh there this was uh this was I don't know if this was his breakout but like maybe early on when he was playing the 25ks but you guys were i just oh, remember what was that? Where was that? It was Bahamas. It was a Bahamas. I mean, he wasn't a huge score, but I think I'm just looking like it was early on. Oh, I do remember that. I do remember that. I remember like, I remember vividly your tie dye 
pants on and you were there railing them. And I was like a big, you know, there was a, these 25 K PCAs were one of the better 25 Ks. You know, that was a huge one. Oh no, wait, I'm thinking of a different one. Okay. never mind. I don't remember that. Actually, this is the one where Sean winter. Oh no, that is, that is the one. I remember that one. Yeah. That he, he screwed over Timex. Yeah. He got like, he, when he had half a stack, he, yeah, yeah, he his he bought, own black and then he took a million from Timex. I remember being at the cage and, seeing that payout go down that was beautiful watching timex just walk up and down super stressed i love timex but watching him walk up and down super stressed after taking everyone's money for the last year is quite a beautiful thing to see right like yeah that, those uh that those are big swings right those are those kind of sweats can can really can make or break but yeah no i just remember you guys being you know this was kind of i guess you had already been you had sort of just gotten through or, or sort of breaking into the scene and the high roller scene at that, that level. But I know you and him are very close. And obviously, yeah, you guys, you guys have had a, had a pretty storied career already. And Ben, how old is Ben? He's your age as well. And that's ballpark. He's uh, 28 as of two days ago. 28. Okay. So that, so that's kind of, that's your crew, right? Those are, that's like your main, you would say though, that's your, that's sort of like your, your, your core. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I have a poker career anymore, but he, he was, he was the only person I really spoke hands with. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm I'm fascinated. I'm definitely going to be looking at your the charity stuff and, and talk about a bit here on on uh, you have you you've posted action on State Kings. Do you do you sell anything? Do you do directly to friends? Do you do any of these other sites? Like what what type of uh, ways do you promote? Like is that something people can buy? Like if I want to sweat, you're obviously not a bankroll challenge. But like if when you play a schedule, do you post any action anymore? Or do you just have people you deal with, or you do your own? Yeah, I'm completely staked to the moment, but um, because I don't want to take the swings because my charity. Um, but that is a good point. I've completely forgot State Kings existed. I've uh, I've made quite a lot of people a lot of money, and I, I love selling on State Kings. I, I I usually did it at zero markup, so I'll probably I'll probably get back on that. Come on, man! Don't don't. That's listen. If you want to be in Twitch, you gotta you gotta give your give them a little taste. Give them a sell. That's a a get a dollar. Get get a thousand people. Have a little action, and, and they they live and die by the uh, the 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 flips and the bad beats and the celebration. <laughs> so you got it. Don't don't forget about that. I just got to give them a Very shout important. out. I love love this site. Little little promo shout out. All right, let's take some questions. I think we've covered a lot. I'm very. It's very interesting. Again, I do feel we have a lot of similar um, overview, like kind of look and, and 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 just how we approach the game and, and the energy type stuff. Like, uh, I'm a <laughs> we're definitely both into the energy type stuff. Yeah, we're we're both we we we're definitely in tune on that. Um, so okay, so just to run through before we take the questions, Hendon Mob guys, check them out. Very very uh, illustrious career. Uh, Instagram, that's the best way. You said you have people posting for you, but you do take a look at the messages you want to get a hold of them. Do you have a Facebook page? I don't know. How, are you active on there? Do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll read messages on that too. Facebook, YouTube, this is where the highlights and also Bankroll Challenge in particular right now, which is hot, kind of on his, you're on your way. You, you hit that kind of inflection point. Um, I mean, it's a big deal, right? It's like in, it, to get over a certain amount, it becomes much more feasible because you could be stuck at, uh, 50, a hundred, $200 range for a long time. So do you, you feel like you made a little bit of a breakthrough? Like this could kind of exponentially. Yeah, yeah, it definitely helps. I realized I've just been getting, I was about to use a horrible word, but I've been getting destroyed by the, the rake in PokerStar Zoom. So actually I, but the bankroll should be a lot bigger and I haven't been even paying attention to rake back because I haven't been adding on to the bankroll. But um, yeah, I, I feel bad that I've been playing so much focus on zoom and other people have been playing it because I've been playing it. And then I, I finally just looked at the rake and I'm Oh my God, that's ridiculous. That's actually just like stealing. And, uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend people play on poker stars if they're in, in the micro six. 
And uh, there is a good option, though. Party poker, man. What, give a little love. <laughs> John Duffy's in the chat. Like, throw us a bone, Charlie. What's going on? Where, 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 what, what do we need to do to, to get you over to – you said you're talking with someone, though, right now, right? So you're kind of uh, – uh, my, my, my heart goes – to whomever has the lowest rate for the micro stakes, because I would only ever affiliate or anything for people who um who I can safely say would be the best option. So uh, I yeah I, I I'm I'm probably not the the best person to choose for a sponsor just because I, I speak about so many controversial topics that a lot of companies probably won't want that uh, connected to them. So um not not really looking for a sponsorship or anything. All right, fair enough. That's 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 pure. I respect that. Um. All right. So again, Twitch. Give him a follow. There it is, Epiphany77. Do you have any upcoming – do you have a schedule set? Do you, are you awake up and feel feel how you are going to go, or do you kind of like say, I'm going to stream these days of the week right now? What's your COVID-19 Twitch schedule? Yeah, but fuck GTA. Just see how we feel in the day. Just go – just fire it up. Do it live. All right. I like it. I respect that too. So we – and you have a website. Tell me a bit about your coaching, what that entails – uh, before we take questions, what, what can people expect if they were to go on your website and look to get a um, the masterclass? Yeah, thank thank you by the way for all the shout outs. That's, that's very kind. Um, no worries, yeah, man, it's good. To, people need to know where can they what, what you got going on. That's what we're here for. So the the poker masterclass and the spiritual masterclass that's coming up are the two things I'm genuinely the most proud of by far for the content. Um, my opinions are quite strong when it comes to poker. Uh, content and poker education. I, I really think that the poker world has just got it completely wrong. I think that we, we've got this mass brainwashed idea of how to teach poker. And that's one of the biggest factors of why there are no new up and coming geniuses, because they're all learning from all of these different streams. And instead of learning how to think, or you know, learning about you know the, the other parts of the game that maybe the mental game, maybe the the spiritual side, maybe uh, maybe keeping motivated, maybe meditating, stuff like that. They're just being taught. Okay, here's a spot, and here's what you do in that spot. Here's a spot. Here's why you do that in that spot. And it's it's not structuring up a thought process. And and what I do in the poker masterclass is I I I say okay. Here are some examples of things that people think that are just absolute nonsense. Bring it back to the basics. What is your opponent's range and how do you exploit that you don't need to balance you're playing two and out you're playing 25 and out. you don't need to balance come on get out like i can i can open different pre-flop sizes and nobody's going to notice for probably like twenty thousand hands so why is why are people balancing on five and l against people that don't even know what balancing is you know and it's um so i, I have some pretty strong opinions as you can tell um and i i really believe in teaching people to completely get rid of the mess, streamline their thought process, bring it up from stage one. Here is a range. Here's what you do to exploit it. Here is a range. Here's what to do to exploit it. And uh, I, I teach people how to go from two to 25 now in the first uh, first poker masterclass. And I've had people being like, oh my God, I was a losing player for years. I took the masterclass and now I've, I've just started crushing it. And it's okay. 10 hours, 10 hour masterclass. Very cool. I will, I'm, I'm going to, I would like to check that out. I, I think that's something too, where I get caught um, there's a lot of information out there and it's, uh, I, I, to, it's always interesting to see different perspectives, right? Cause there's a, there's a lot of the, the regimented, you know, raise your edge upswing, these other things that are like, which is good. It's good to have the information poker code. There's these stuff, but I think it's nice when you get a different perspective or way of learning. It can, it can invoke uh, different emotion, different, different triggering. And even if you just get one or two things, it could be the difference in, in taking your game to a new level, maybe thinking a different perspective. And I'm, I'm very curious on that. So I would like to, 
to check that out. I have, I have not, and uh, I will, I will take a look at that. So let's, let's take some, let's take some questions. Uh, I don't know how you are on time, but we have a lot. One of the, we'll go to a day. <laughs> got nothing to do today. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll scroll through and do some of these. Uh, what's, oh, let's just, this is a great question from Mary. What's your favorite thing about poker? Hmm. Apart from the fact that it's a spiritual journey, because we've already mentioned that I'll try, I'll try and think of something else. Um, I, I think the second, my second favorite thing is the fact that there's this coalescence between psychology and mathematics and, or intuition and logic or something like that. And it's something that where art and science, for instance, that's something where those two worlds rarely get to meet, but when you're analyzing theory and you have to let it be adjusted by your intuition or let it be adjusted by psychology or let it be adjusted by live tells and stuff like that. So I, for me, it's like the most beautiful game I've ever played. And I've played a lot of chess and chess is nowhere near as complicated as poker. Poker is the most complicated game I've ever played by a long margin. And for me, that it's just this unexplored jungle where there's so many new layers to it that still haven't been explored. And I think that live tells is another one. I think there's some esoteric metaphysical underpinnings to poker, which I think a lot of people don't understand energy stuff. And um, I, I still think that poker is going to be growing and evolving for decades to come. Is that safe to say that even with solver scripts, this and that, the you know party poker got rid of the HUDs and that great, and it seems to be going well. People seem to be giving it good feedback. I think initially people are like, oh, it's going to, it's uh it's you know it's going to be not right or I don't like it, but really it seems to be a well adopted. And almost now in party, I just see when I play, I'm like, oh, that's normal, it's good. And for me, like you're saying, maybe there's a guy who's just great at knowing on the turn that I never bluff or my my whatever or my rivers, you know, so like he can crush me in that spot where it's like not really fair because I'm not using it or seeing what he's doing. Um, you know, I think that so it's combating that right. It's sort of like a, yeah, yeah, it's exactly it. So that that's yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I just want to ask you about this because this is something I've been working on a bit with um, Andrew at Choker. What have you heard about Choker? Do you have any? I have. I so I love chess and I love poker, but I've never played Choker. The the game, I think it could be better. Um, have, you, but have, you, have you seen it? Have you played it? Have you? I've seen, seen one of my favorite chess streamers play it. And Which to be one? fair, who's that? Uh, actually, two of them: Eric Rosen and um, Hikaru. I really like. Yeah. I, I love Eric. I really love Eric, and uh, Hikaru is pretty sick anyway. Um, so I love watching them play. I, I think just because they aren't very good at poker, then it, it wasn't. It wasn't like the best to, to watch. Maybe Hikaru wasn't the one. I think I just watched Eric play it actually. Well, yeah, if you're interested, let me know because I'm I am actually working with them on sort of uh, what's the word bridging the the gap with poker because I would love that if I could play Eric Rosen heads up in I, a choker match that would be the dream. Let me uh, let me let me make a note here just because I am going to connect you to the the, the CEO of that because I I am basically so right now Bill Perkins is he's going to be involved he's he does a ton oh, with chess like charity stuff uh Matt Staples likes as well oh yeah bill's like obsessed with chess he puts on like big chess tournaments and puts up really? i love chess so I, I play more chess than i do poker at the moment really well i'm gonna i'm gonna connect you i think it could be a great fit you uh for that because that's what kind of looking at poker players that play chess as well and, and are passionate about it and it's interesting on how they do it because with the betting element, like I could play in theory, you could play a grandmaster and win because it's uh it's the end game. So you're, you're essentially getting, you're drawing your pieces in every draw 
you bet. So like you could go all in and you could just, you know, you could, you could technically win. It would be an asterisk, but you could just make a grandmaster fold out or, or make a bad play, right? Like he might just say, Oh, like my hand stinks, but you stink at chess and I'm going to go to the streets. And then yeah. you know, you're in there with a the huge advantage. And it's kind of fun, right? It gives you, and it's only the end game. So you, it's not like you have to worry about opening moves and all that. It's, it's just like, a, it's I don't have openings in chess is kind of beautiful. I, I've never learned the openings really at all. Right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna message them for for you and just connect you with them. So anyway, that's cool. That'll be fun. I think you'll like that. Um, awesome. What is the number one thing you attribute to your success? Asks Bot Lady. So you've uh, started basically with most of us, where you started put fifty, a hundred, whatever deposit, and then sort of spun up. So you know, I think that's also important. I always mention when you look at players like yourself or other people who have maybe you say have gone broke once or you know lost a role like you're it's not like it's different than a businessman and and the risk and the age when you start when you start in 19 years old with almost you know you're not you're not risking hundred thousand you're risking like you're starting from literally nothing so it's like it's a big difference and you're putting someone into a game that is 30 or 40 or 50 and starts buying in for ten thousand or a hundred five hundred dollars a game, and they can lose a lot of money quickly. You know, it's a bit different too with the 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 paradigm of how much you're risking and what the what different stage of your life is, right? So it's like that's also important to be cognizant of how, who is getting involved in what they're doing because it's a big difference for you and I who started out fifteen years ago, ten years ago, seven years ago, and risk very little to to sort of uh, blossom it. You know, like so. Just want to point that out as well because it's not just like. Uh, you know. Yeah, so that's a, a really good point. And stuff, stuff like bankroll management and decisions like that, it's so personal. You can't have any rule for what's good. You just have to really feel like what, what are you capable of losing? And then also, like, are you capable of beating the stakes below is a huge one. So people often, when they have a lot of money, they just jump into 100NL without much experience. Like, you're not going to win 100NL without much experience. You're just not. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's that, that level of humility is needed to, even if you have loads of money to go play the, the two and L streets. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's very, very relative. And you got to remember that you got to be, it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot more risk and a lot more, um, need a little more, uh, pay attention and, and think about what you're doing and what you're risking and, and what stage of your life you're at. Are you single? Are you in college? Are you coming out of college? Are you, you have a family? Being single is a huge one, man. Yeah. I run, I, I'm so much better at poke when I'm single. <laughs> Um, or if the relationship's healthy. So at the moment I'm running great and everything's going well because got a good relationship. That's beautiful. So but in terms of attributing your success, what do you, what is, what is your actual, like, if you, could you define it? Could you give me a couple, like, give me a couple things you think is why you've been so successful? Yeah. So I, I think one, I was fortunate enough to have a very mathematical background, even though I'm, I'm always known as like the anti-mathematical player. Like I, I was intending on doing a math degree and going into quantum physics, theoretical physics kind of thing, or banking. Um, so having that that underpinning of rationality was very helpful. Um, so some people, they think they need to learn all the maths. They need to learn, you know, how often you're going to be flopping a flush. You need to learn pod odds, all these different things. Like It's useful to know all that information. I came up with the fl- flopping and flushing because I heard you say it on one of your, <laughs> one of your videos quite recently. Um, it's useful information, but it's not really what's necessary to be a good poker player. What you need is good decision making. And that comes from rationality and logic. Um, as opposed to just like crunching numbers. Um, so have, having that and always being like a debater, always being a rational person was was probably super duper helpful. Um, secondly, live tells, I think it's it's been my, I would say my domain of expertise. Um, I, 
I don't like to compare about how how good other people are in comparison to me, but I, I think I'm I'm at least up there of the the best uh, at live tells, and it's something that I always recommend other people to look at. I don't tell what people what the live tells I found are because there are some that are pretty universal throughout all people, even the highest stakes players. Um, if you're really really attuned to like the micro expressions and things like that, and understanding the nuances of them. But I would say to people that are starting to play, if you do play live when our Lord and Savior Corona does allow us outside again, please, um, then you can spend a lot of time just looking at people. And even if you're not on a hand, don't stare, obviously, because I sometimes have been told of for staring too much <laughs> looking for live tells, um, which is my bad. Um, but do do look for these patterns. And I would say it's the, the jungle that hasn't been explored yet, like the, the best players in the world kind of, in my opinion, aren't, aren't very good at protecting from them or, um, or looking for them. Uh, some, are, some are, but most of them, in my opinion, aren't. Who, who are some other players that you could put in that list? I know Chance Corneth prides himself. Chance, Chance is very, very good at live tells. He also likes other people to believe that he's even better at live tells. Right. <laughs> I love Chance. Is there other other guys that you would put in that category that really like, like sort of uh, focus, pay attention, and, and work on that? One player that I'm super fascinated by is Bryn. Um, he's a player that I don't understand. Um, he, when, I, when I play against him, he does some stuff where I'm just like, that was stupid, man. That was so stupid. But you know what? I, I'm the exact same. I do some stuff and I'm just like, that was so stupid. And other people are like, that was so stupid. And I'm just like, yeah, it probably was. But when Bryn is in tune, I think that he is one of the best, if not the best poker player. I think his his power, when he's in tune with other people, he does some stuff that is just... I don't think the rest of the poker world understands it. And I don't think they understand why he's been so successful. So he, he's somebody that I'm very, very intrigued by. Uh, Igor is another person that I'm very impressed by. His understanding of the game mixed with his understanding of live tells and people has always been a pleasure to play against. Um, live tells. Hmm. I think that's it. I think yeah. that, that's all the people I can think of. That's a, that's a handful. Um, I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, which player is your Achilles heel? The one that you find it hard to beat or that you just never managed to overcome, whether it's skill or luck. Is there anyone that you just kind of like over the course of your career, you're like, man, he just knocks you out numerous times or just for whatever reason, good or bad or lucky. Yeah. If we can just get this trending on Twitter, hashtag fuck David Peters. <laughs> no, he, he's, he's got the better of me probably more than anyone bro, else. Um, bro, I got to show you a hand. I am, I could find the clip. Um, I'll send it to you afterward, but it was so peculiar. And I'll just tell you very quickly because I want to know your thought and I'll send it to you because maybe I'm missing something. It was a 2K PKO power mm -hmm. fest maybe two days ago, three days ago. There's six six players left or seven left. And mm -hmm. he has uh, 37,000 chips, let's say. Okay. And the blinds are 9K, 18K. He's on mm -hmm. the cutoff. He min raises. So he has one one thousand. He has eighteen hundred chips behind, and he has a yeah. twenty six hundred twenty eight hundred dollar bounty. Okay, uh -huh. I have like three hundred and forty thousand. I'm in like fifth or fourth or something. And uh, this guy Pavul is on my left, and he is in the small blind. I'm on the button. I go all in, right? Because it, it's uh -huh. for a bounty, and I, mean, I have ace king. I have the nuts, right? Whatever. I, I love my hand. I'm all in. I I say out loud, Pavul's tanking. I go. I hope he. I think he has like a seven. Okay, like that was in my head. He has a seven. It's crazy how some people can do that, man. I say, I say it. He goes all in, and the big blind is Anatoly Filatov, who has around my chips folds. David Peters tanks down, and it's like a thousand dollar pay jump. Okay, 
this David Peters, the guy's playing million dollar buy-in tournaments. He's got if he he's getting a zillion to one. It's like a thousand pay jump, but he's basically forfeiting the tournament. I thought maybe he timed out or misclicked, and then I'm like, no, it's David Effing Peters. Like the guy knows what he's doing. I was like, how can he fold for a thousand dollar pay jump, leaving himself with one thousand chip at eighteen thousand Annie or big blind? There, of course, I wouldn't. I'm going to go on a limb and say that say that he he disconnected or or not not disconnected, but some something happened that he he couldn't click the call button. Was he straight back in when he sat out? Did he sit out for a while or did he? He he was in the next hand. I'm telling you, I got to send it to you. It had to be. There's no way. Because again, it was a thousand pay jump and it was like he had 37K. I'm all in. Another guy's all in. There's that Annie and then there's a small blind, big blind. So it's like, it's it was a, literally like a 1k pay jump yeah you have to tell me but that that, that sounds dubious you're right i wanted to ask him as well actually i'm gonna message him but that's what i'm saying like he did end up pay jumping um i think maybe but anyway it, it just like it couldn't be right i just and like i that's what i was thinking like you mentioned that name and i'm just like but it's him it makes you think like maybe he might have just brain farted so i've I've seen david do some pretty funny funny stupid stuff before as well He's, by the way, one of the nicest people outside outside of poker. I, I spent some time with him at a party once, and he was so lovely. It was no, so, he's so a lovely. great guy. I, I, he is a great guy. Okay, so Dave, but he just seems to just kind of hold over you, or just gets you and and. You know what it is? I I find it really hard to get live reads on him. There are very few people that I find it difficult to get live reads on, but David Peters, uh, I've had it a few times. I've had a, a few reads a few times, but most of the time, I've I've struggled with it. Do you believe? All right, people, and especially like fishy cash games or pe- players, like I noticed this more than anything where guys' A games are pretty solid. Like, okay, like even a guy. Who's not- sorry, I just want to interrupt that. And but I, that sounded really like douchey in playing it back in my head. It's also because he's also extraordinarily good at poker. That That's also it. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, for sure. I think that goes. That, that's a given, but just in case people thought that wasn't. That I have three or four guys that I could name that I just feel like they've ne- I've never won a pot or the sickest runouts or they're obviously the greatest players, but they're also just like, I just feel like, you know, it's like, yeah. I just don't get it. Like, I just can't win a flip or, or like I hit a, you know, whatever. So, yeah, but that, that, uh, everyone's kind of got, I guess, a nemesis or someone that sort of just seems to, to do that. I was going to say about like A games, do you think, is it like, let's just take Brink or David Peters, maybe not the best examples because they're such consummate professionals, but someone that you play with regularly, is it fair that you'll be able to get in tune to their energy on a day? Like you see a couple hands or how they're playing and maybe it's like they've just, they're just not there. They're not focused. They're, they're shoving. You see some showdowns and you're like, oh man, that was like a bit aggressive or tilting look like. You, are you able to like hone in on that and maybe make an adjustment in, in game to someone? Because I think all, obviously – Everyone's A game at that level is very good, but people definitely don't always play their A game. There's B games, C games, tilt games. You, do, are yeah, you no, I, I, I think you're right. Yeah. As much as it's easy to see the, these people as just like super gods, um, like all the best players in the world, the high rollers, it's it's important to remember they're still human. Some people have days where that you know there'll be a close decision, and you know it might it might be a shove, but they'll convince themselves that it's not or they convince themselves to make a tight fold, they'll convince themselves that someone else has it just because they're in like a passive mood that day or because they woke up and they, they didn't have their morning coffee early enough and that just like spiraled. Like there's so many little things that could happen to someone's energy that uh, you can be attuned to picking up on. Obviously, it's it's not a science, so you can get it wrong a lot of the time. They can try and give off the, a different energy or maybe maybe just make a bad read. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, that there's no human alive that plays poker that isn't readable. It's not like a... 
it's not like we're getting like the Dalai Lama or some enlightened being to come in and uh, you know be in their Zen state in front of us. It's like we're all, we're all humans, so all trying to work stuff out, and everyone makes mistakes, and everyone gives off tells, and yeah, we're all we're all just trying our best to to not do it. For sure. Someone asked, when did you decide to grow your hair? Because you have had short hair. I've seen it, but in the past even five years or so, I think I remember, but mostly of long hair. Did you ever, was there ever like a, did you, was there ever a decision or how did you like go from growing it out? Yeah, I had, I had long hair a lot as a kid, but it was like in a fringe. And that was actually, it turns out because I was so insecure about my face because I, I was such a, I was called such an ugly kid so often um, when I was bullied that I just covered my face up. I was like, no one's ever going to see me. And it's like always, always in front of my face. Then I, so I cut it short when I realized that was a thing and it's like, Hey, start to love my face, start to love myself a bit more. Um, and then it was actually at a peyote ceremony where I was like, actually, I think there's something to this long hair business where I saw uh, a, a native American shaman and his family and they were in all honesty like the pinnacle of masculinity and I, i'd never seen masculinity so beautiful so soft but so strong so connected with nature so connected with each other right. um and they had long hair the guys did or at least the one of them in particular did and i i think that there's something intrinsically powerful about energy coming from hair but i don't think modern science has any idea and i i don't think i i could be able to put that into words I like how you say you go and when you meditate, you put your feet on the ground because I've heard this before about touching earth um, and grounding. And I, I do believe it makes a ton of sense, right? It just makes... Uh, Evolutionarily, it does. Yeah, we're not meant to be living on concrete. Right. So it's sort of, I, I like that. I like that, that that thing you mentioned as well. And I've heard people say that and I yeah, I try to do that as much as you can. Um, do you prefer playing online or live? Live. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Love talking to people, love getting tells, love joking with people. You can get reads on who wants to talk and who doesn't. Yeah, yeah it's just so so many new things that, that come when you're playing live. Online is great, um, but at the moment when I'm grinding by myself, especially, it's not as fun as it, as it used to be. And what is what percentage of when you're playing now online, are you on Twitch? Like, are you when you're playing, are there times where you're like, all right, this is playing super high stakes stuff. I'm just matrix, no chat. And then how do you, how do you balance between, uh, streaming when you're like, all right, you're playing online. How much of it are you streaming? How much were you just not? Yeah, it's probably like 50, 50 at the moment, maybe like 60, 40, not streaming. Um, the, the 500 zoom stuff I'm recording, but I'm not streaming because I, I, I feel like I get too distracted and I'm, I'm really in the zone when I'm playing zoom. Yeah. Um, that's true. That, that, like, cause it's just, you're not, you're in every hand, every second. You can't really, you can't yeah. be on a chat doing doing yeah exactly um and sun sundays because i don't want to give away my my focus uh party poker screen name then i i'm i'm not streaming there either okay makes sense um someone uh what was the most difficult tournament you've played and why do you have one that does i mean it just kind of all blend together was there ever one that was just such a grind maybe you were sick or you had to come back from a tough beat and be short like anyone that really was rewarding or challenging that stands out when you when you phrase the question like that then the scoop main event was by far uh day three i went in as the shortest stack on the final table i short stacked the whole way and then and about an hour before we're about to start about a third of mexico gets a power cut and connor drynan's in like the similar area to me in playa de carmen and he's meshing us just being like i'm hot footing it over to a different city and he's he's on the final table as well uh, and about half an hour, it was, it was actually, I think that happened about three hours before the final table and about half an hour before the, the final table started, the power came on in parts of the I don't understand what was going on. Our flat still didn't have internet. So we had to then take hostage in a cafe. 
halfway through the final table, we're now crushing. We're like one of five. The internet of the cafe goes out. And that because we told them we're playing poker, we didn't tell them how high stakes because it's Mexico. Uh, they're, they're just like, yeah, we'll get to it in a second. And we're like, oh, I'm in a previous decision. Fuck. Wow. So I grab my laptop and I'm like, Ben, get the bill, please. So I leg it down in my pajamas down the street to Playa del Carmen with my mouse banging against my leg, going into cafe. It's like, do you have internet? They're like, no, no, no. Do you have internet? I finally find a Starbucks and I'm just like, do you have internet? Yes, no password set up. Like people look at me, just like, what the hell is this kid doing? And uh, yeah, managed to get back just in time for that river decision. It was a fold anyway, but um, well, and then got in that actual hand, you you got out of there and went to different places, like multiple. You got able to get on and make that decision. Yeah, I got that extra disconnect time back, which was nice. Wow, so you, you that's that is crazy. So that was that pivotal of a hand as well. Like you won that hand, or you got the. No, it, it, it was it was a fold. It wasn't a huge pot or anything, but I mean, I could have just lost internet for the whole thing. That's the yeah. thing, yeah, easily. I, you basically just described like the first year of my Twitch in in one moment. Like I, I if you knew the tour, like the places like in New Zealand or Brazil, like my wife's small town, where. If you saw the the escapades I was on to go to places, I, I at one point I was basically in like a local Comcast of like a small Brazil in an office. Their dad knew like playing in front of their office on a Sunday in like a, in like a random you know like a little Comcast of some sorts. Like I, I the stories, the places, the tilt I've had that the low yeah. quality streaming of the internet, you know, and also it's like you go to a place and you're like, oh, I need five upload, download or whatever. Like yeah, we got that, but it's not steady. You get there and it's just like. Yeah, their peak at one second is five, but it's really like 0.16. You set up a stream, you take out your laptop, you do all the stuff, and it's just like it's just been so many, um, so much. Uh, you know, it's not easy to uh, to travel and do the the streaming. Yeah, stuff, but, so. but looking back, even though it's stressful at the time, I bet you wouldn't change it for anything. I would change a little, but yeah, not really, uh, just a bit. I, I mean, it's stress. like it's so many frustrating, you know, things. But to be fair, I can't tell you, and again, how much I do respect that you have such a following and you've done so much Twitch stuff because it is a grind. Assuming you even have the best equipment and setup and internet and whatever it is. Uh, I can't tell you, I literally have a dozen well-known poker players that have contacted me and said, Hey, can I have your playbook on Twitch? I send them all the equipment, all the things, here's the process. You need to get very here, blah, blah, blah. Maybe if like a quarter of them do a few streams and that's it. And then the rest never even start, but it's a grind. Right. It's not easy to turn up, go live, have, 10 viewers, five viewers on sit there and not know what you're doing, not have nice overlay, not have a nice setup. And just like, it's, it's, it's not for everyone. That's all I'll say that, you know? So it's yeah. uh, it is yeah, a big respect for the, the, the streamers that are grinding out there. I, I have been fortunate enough to not have to, to stream all the time to make a living. So I've been able to just take time off when I feel like it, but I know some people do it all the time and it's so tough. Like I know it sounds silly when there are like builders out there and miners, but obviously it's, it's a different type of tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's different, and I mean honestly, that I think is one of the, the turning points in poker for online was uh, when Party decided to take on a Twitch team. It was nice because it was basically only one show in town with with stars, you know, and obviously Tonka with eight eight eight, and there's some other interest streamers that don't like you. You know, they're just doing it and they're not doing it necessarily to be sponsored. But Party kind of took on a team, and then you know, there's been there's something to sort of aspire to because I see there's so many talented players and people now and whether or not they get a deal or not it's nice because they can build their own affiliate links they can promote your coaching yeah. program choose a coaching program they can generate some extra revenue and also sort of uh yeah that you can build something it's kind of it's kind of fun to build your own 
your own situation. So I think that's uh, that is cool to see the poker listing grow. And, you know, there's now a lot of 100, 200 viewer streams that are sort of um, gaining steam and people come into. So I think it's there's a, there's a lot of new streamers that I've noticed over the few weeks, last few weeks in quarantine times. Yes. No, there's, there's a ton. You could start naming. There's a lot of, you know, well-known or, or people within the poker community that have been around that are doing that. Uh, do you have a crazy trip story? I would imagine maybe the, the, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, what's the word lead you, but the, um, the one where you won the Sunday million or chopped it and won over 200 K and then took your mates to Amsterdam. Would that be up there? I thought, are you sure they don't mean psychedelic? It could mean both. We could do any. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hmm. I definitely have both. Um, so crazy trip stories in holiday. The Amsterdam one was definitely up there. Um, when I'm at Hannah, that was pretty mental. I, 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 there's such long stories. I probably won't go into them. Psychedelic trip stories. Um, many, many, I would say that even though I was a big uh, proponent of psychedelics for quite a long time, I spoke very publicly about them on lots of different podcasts and stuff. I'm now in the mindset. I'm, ne I'm never taking psychedelics. Um, and I, I think there are a lot of hidden dangers that people don't know about. And uh, so if you are, if that was, if that question was about psychedelic trips, uh, my, my advice is unless you're with somebody that's an absolute expert and i don't just mean somebody who you know sits in drum circles and with you know things on their wrist and says that they're a shaman i mean somebody that's uh their culture is around psychedelics then um psychedelics can be extra extraordinarily dangerous uh do you have any thoughts on ayahuasca have you ever been and do you know much about that oh yeah ayahuasca kicked my ass man <laughs> she's a she's a she's a bitch sometimes <laughs> um no yeah she's uh ayahuasca i say she because there's a lot of like feminine energy around around it but um it was my first deep dive into uh, the esoteric realms so i was a very skeptical person i was a very rationalist very materialist atheist all of these different things nihilist um and i really i needed scientific evidence in a lab to believe something and then ayahuasca just kicked my ass and she was like well here's loads of evidence to suggest that you're wrong about all of this stuff and by the way also stop cheating on your girlfriend stop lying and enjoy the next year of your depression whilst you learn your lessons <laughs> so wow. yeah it was, it, was a, it was a cool experience so you're okay so you you have uh you've experienced what about, what about you by the way have you have, have you tried ayahuasca or purity or anything i have not i i'm very aware of it i have a lot of close friends that have done it either once or multiple times i'm a I think it makes it makes sense. I'd be interested in trying it, but I have not. I have not done it, and um, I've heard pretty good feedback overall about it. And I, again, I think it's important with the shaman, you know, doing it the right way. It's from the earth. How you're respecting it, you're doing it for the right reasons, and you're and you're you're doing it in a controlled, strong environment. It's you know, talking about drugs and stuff. It's always tricky, right? Because it's very. You got to give a lot of disclaimers. Yes, you got to. You know, again, I, I'm not recommending it, or I can't. I haven't even done it, but I would. I'd be open to doing it, and I think. Um, yeah, I, I would also say that even if you do it with a shaman, the I, the majority of shamans that you'll find that call themselves shamans uh, probably aren't what I would say are up to scratch for for doing the job. There are there are people out there that that have good intentions, won't just be trying to take your money, um, but there's also a lot of people that will just be trying to scam you. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair in almost anything, right? Like there's anytime that like we we're saying in money, anytime there's money or, or a market, like there's uh there's you gotta be careful because there's people have uh ulterior motives and and not necessarily looking out for your your well being or your for you to benefit. You know, it's it's a it's a tricky thing. So interesting. I, I, that that sounds like you had a good 
Yeah, I get it. I hear what you're saying, and you've 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 experimented in the psychedelic world, but you're saying you don't, you're not a proponent, or you wouldn't recommend. You, you're just got to be very, very careful and understand what you're diving into. Yeah, yeah, some some dangerous stuff out there, and it's it's kind of like a baby's playing with fire with uh, people in the Western world playing with psychedelics, in my opinion. But, yep. Someone asked, did you play sports? We already covered that. You said squash. Uh, what do you think about the postponed WSOP? Do you think that it might go online as a, is that, what do you, what would you think if um, party poker or stars or one of these major sites just announced we're doing the exact same schedule online WSOP mimicking it. Uh, do you think that would make sense? Would that interest you? Do you what, what do you think? Yeah, I'd play the hell out of that. If, uh, if it got the same people turning up, which I'm not sure it would. Um, yeah. I, I don't have too many opinions on it. It's, it sounds like it probably will happen. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably play a bunch of the tournaments because WSPF for such good structures. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I, for a Twitch perspective, streaming a, a bracelet is that would be pretty special, right? Playing like that would be amazing. Actually, that's such a good. I'd probably stream a bunch of that. MK or whatever. Yeah, it'd be be very very cool. Um, yeah. So okay, very interesting. Yeah, that's we'll see we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll take take let's see a moment. A lot of questions. At what age do you know poker? We talked about that. Screen name on party. Yeah, that's uh, you're keeping that that secret. Um, micro stakes challenge. So you're at 600 of the to the 10k. Is that correct? Six something. Yeah, six something. Did you ever aha moment in your life? Whatever, where you just like didn't like you shifted. You woke up. You looked up and you said, you know what? I'm making some sort of changes. It sounds like you did say about the the line and just sort of shifting that, but do you, is that, was that your aha moment or do you have other ones that stand out? Yeah. There's been a lot of aha moments, um, often through psychedelics. So obviously still don't recommend people doing, but, um, yeah, going, going from somebody who thought that it was in my best interest to do everything that was good for me short term to somebody that realized, or at least I, I feel like I've realized that the best way to be selfish is to be selfless. And the best, the best thing you could do to yourself if you're in a position where you're not having to struggle to survive is to give. And uh, that seems to be the most fulfilling life that one can create for oneself. Okay. Um, very, very cool. Tell a funny story about a live event. Do you have a funny live event story? Uh, probably. It's the top of my head. We can, we can revisit it. We can revisit it. There's, there's plenty. Just have that. Yeah. There background you played with kevin hart one of the most fun people on this earth this person says was it fun to talk to him did you engage in some fun banter and and, and was that a cool experience or whatever just another another player so th this goes to show how ignorant i am to pop culture when i first played against kevin hart it was in 100k i had no idea who he was absolutely never heard of him before and I, I don't think I've ever seen any of his films either. And he's obviously like probably the most famous person I've ever played with by far. Um, but when I, when I met him, his energy was so vibrant and people were acting like he was very famous. So it's like, obviously he's someone, um, but he, he was always funny that, that, that was one thing about him that it never stopped. Um, and that annoyed quite a few people, but he also had this, really good ability to put on the brakes when he needed to put on the brakes. One thing he, he did need his ego stroked a bit about how good he was at poker. Um, and I think a few people were stroking his ego in that way. Um, but apart that, that was when he was very drunk. And I think uh, his egos come out when you're drunk. Uh, but yeah, he, he was an absolute delight of a human being. Right. Yeah. I mean, I listen, if you're in the hundred Ks, it's uh, it's refreshing when you get someone, you know, is not a, a wizard, right? Like you see in there and they're like, they're, they're mixing it up. They're maybe lightening the mood and that, you know, maybe didn't, 
not everyone maybe appreciates that, but I think overall people, anyone would sign in those fields to have Kevin, who's not obviously a, you know, he's not a consummate professional in poker. What's your opinion on the professionals that sit there and don't speak and just they're in the headphones and they're, they're, you know, sitting in in their hoodies and not, not communicating with other people? I don't like it. I mean, I'll say this. I asked Matt Savage this question because he was on the podcast and he's sort of uh, considered the TDA main, you know, one of the few that sort of makes all the rules or, or gets to govern the bodies. And there's a misconception, I think. And in, in, uh, I give this example, I bring it up about the UK in particular, when I played at Dust Till Dawn with uh, William Kasouf, nonetheless, so a pretty big extreme of a character, but he's in every hand. You know, I got ace king, you got to fold, you have pocket kings. I know, like, talking, saying this to the extreme, and it's just totally allowed. And But whereas the US in, you know, WPTs, WSOP events, it's like, if I say, Charlie, like, man, I think you got a good hand here. Like, you can't do that. You can't talk about it. Like, that's what the deal yeah, is. Yeah, I really don't like that do and i asked matt what is the rule like what's going on he said that's not the case that you are you are allowed to do that or can't maybe say i have ace king or even even there was something else where i was surprised on what you could do based on the rules but i feel like the dealers the institutions and the series are trained to basically tell the dealers do not allow anything but the weather and that is gives off a bit of a weird energy too, even for myself. Yeah, I agree. Going to WSOP is such a shame where everyone wants to talk because they're American and then you can't. It's like, well. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and it's not right. And there's, there's something wrong with this. But at the same thing, I think it's an interesting analogy to like COVID-19. If you tell people you can go outside, stay 10 feet apart. That's a good point. It's like, it's almost like a blanket statement to just avoid conflict and, and, and confusion because it's too, there's too much interpretation and, and a fine line. Um, it's, uh, it's mm. basically, I think that's the, the reason why that's happening. So I think that there's like, there, so sort of tangenting on your question, but I believe there's sort of a problem with this and there needs to be a readdressing a reemergence of this type of people being able. And I think Jamie gold, it kind of happened around that time, right? Where it was like Jamie gold, Phil homie, standing on the ground, all of those people, they, they made poker such a pleasure to watch. And now I think the poker has become less of a spectator sport because all the best players in the world, they, and it's fair enough. Like poker has become one of those things where if you want to be really good, you probably have to be really good at maths. Um, or at least you have to have that kind of mind where mathematical decision-making is, you know, in, in one of your skill sets. And often people that are good at maths, they're not also then extraordinarily articulate or flamboyant or eccentric or any of those things. They can be, but the tendency is not. And I think that's why a lot of the top players, they are, they're, they're, they're pretty quiet. And I think it's, it's pretty bad for the game. Um, but at the same time, you can't really prod someone with a poker and just make them, uh, make them sing. Yes, absolutely. So I, I think, yeah, th- to answer your question, I think it is a bit of a problem. Um, time, I guess the, the shot clocks, uh, big blind, Annie, those type of things speed up the game and also help, but it's a, it's tricky, right? It's tricky. Cause you're talking about big money and you know, you, you it's a fine line. Yeah, you can't like talk in the pot, idiot. <laughs> it's 200 K. Yeah. yeah. And I think though, like the Triton events in particular, you obviously had your, you know, 1.6 million score. That was fun to do those events. Uh, that kind of vibe with Paul Foy, Richard Young, you know, leading that charge and no, the type of play. Like it's also, sometimes it depends on the mix of the players. Like it's like if, if guys know each other well and feel comfortable, they'll joke or talk. And it's like, you know, the guy is losing big 
big flips or big pots are getting knocked out or, or cripple, you know, in the hand and getting very short. It's like, there's a fine line between like joking or talking and saying like, Hey, and it's another, it's like, all right, this guy maybe just, you know, it could really be upset. So it's like, there's a, there's a, there's, it depends on a, a bit of a concoction on what the energy is and who knows each other and how the tables mesh. And, and certain guys just don't mesh maybe with anybody or just don't want to. And then there's certain guys that will talk if, if it allows it to. So, you know, it's, yeah, a, it's I, I definitely a, grinded quite a few people's gears uh, in the high stakes community. There's quite a few people I, I think on, on uh, my biggest fans because of how, how much I talk at the table. Um, so I, I can see it from their point of view where they're just like, Oh, I just want to concentrate. It's big money, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough when you get a lot of very talkative people with not very talkative people in, in the same space. How, how are you at the table? I like to talk. I, I do. I think my game is better suited to talk. I like to chat to, to have a good time and just sort of, uh, I think it always ends up being better just like in general. I think the, the overall, when I look back at a day, whether it goes well or not, it's like, yeah, that was fun. Or I got to meet someone new or, you know, learn a story or hear some kind of interesting anecdote. So I, I like to talk. I, I'd say I'm pretty, pretty talkative um, in general. What's that? We should play. Yeah. Come over to the, to the UK. Yeah. We got to get some, uh, who knows, who knows when the next, I don't know what the line is on the, the live events, but I mean, I'm thinking like November Bahamas is like what I think is safe, but it's hard to say. It really is. I'm going earlier. I'm, I'm predicting it's, it's going to be earlier. It could be earlier for sure. Um, no, uh, what do you think? Speaking of predictions, what about your bankroll challenge? Do you have a, do you have an over under what's the line when you think you might finish that based on volume and just what you think from getting to 600 now to 10,000? It would be nice to finish it before June, which is when my, my charity is going to launch. Um, otherwise I'll have to put in less volume, uh, cause there'll just be so much stuff I have to do. So I might, I might try and aim for maybe like June 6th or something like that. Try and finish it by then. Okay. And, uh, that all right, that's a that's a good that's a good uh, over under ba- bankroll downswing. You mentioned you went broke basically. Did you play cash or MTT to run it back up? MTTs, yeah, it's uh, all all just high rollers. And I, I did play some live cash. I, I was fortunate enough to be also invited to some uh, some private games. Only one of them turned out to be a scam, which was nice. <laughs> and yeah i i i i did play a bunch of cash uh when i when i was grinding up but in in the big upswing that that was pretty much all entities very cool favorite live poker venue uh trident actually yeah that was that was my number one um other than that i really liked aussie millions um in melbourne just because the city of melbourne is just so beautiful and vegas is up there as well i love vegas melbourne's um my one of my favorites also um i I actually have had my least my worst runs by far most i don't have a hand and mob flag in australia and i've been several times (laughs) pretty crazy and and upsetting uh, in itself but it is a it is a phenomenal city and and, in a great place uh favorite venue okay have you been to montreal have you ever been to playground poker or much oh man montreal is uh uh, it's my favorite stop, favorite city, actually. I, I would put that on your, your list to check out. Yeah, I'd love to. Canadians all seem lovely. So. It is a, it, it's not, not anything negative to say over there. Um, Charlie, you're my poker idol. I want to ask you how old you were when you really thought that poker could be a big thing for you in your future. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you. What's, what's the person's name? This is from Monkos uh, Kornick. I don't know, Kornick, it looks like. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, well, thank you, uh, Kornick. And... Um, I would say I first, what was the question? When I first decided poker was a big thing for me? 
Uh, anyway, it, it was something like that. I, I first yeah. realized, I, I, I oh, yeah. think. Like, when, when did you think it could be a viable like career or option? That was a question. Yeah, when, when I when I started beating about 50 and L or maybe 100 and L, I remember there, there was a, a time when I, I was living with my grandma and I'd come out and speak to her or speak to my mom that was there sometimes and be like, I just won 1K in a day. And then I'll come out the next day and be like, I just won 1K again. This is crazy. And for them, the money is just like insane. Like, it's crazy amounts of money. So I think around then it started when I saw other people's human reactions instead of just like it was on a screen. That's when I, that's when it kind of clicked for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I had dreams as soon as I started playing, as soon as I, I, I saw that money could go up. I was like, this could be a fucking thing. Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it does happen quickly, right? It becomes like you're playing a video game or a board game, and then all of a sudden you're playing playing for real money, and then pretty quickly you're, the wheels start turning, right? And you're like, well, this this is interesting. This could be something. A lot of back yeah, yeah. chess. It's like you just know the the industry. You kind of look at it, do a little research, and you realize, well, it's not really a, a career necessarily. It's harder to to do that, maybe. So um, it's crazy looking back. Like we could have easily just got addicted to RuneScape. You know, we could have we could just be grinding PKing in the wildy right now and not have much money and not have much security in our lives but we we happen to stumble across poker like, it's yeah. so lucky it is it, it is it is crazy like i i just i do think about that sometimes i mean it's like the right the tipping point or you read these books gladwell about right place right time or you know sliding doors the movie and these type of things like how a little shift or a little difference or a, a blip can sort of take your butterfly effect. career butterfly effect that that movie as well um that that, that concept very very interesting um did uh let's see yeah did you ever think that the, in this career poker isn't for me and if you did how did you deal with it was there a shift when you went when you were close to broke or you did go broke or before and on your way it was there a point where you said this was great i learned a lot i had fun and i'm, I'm moving on hmm. yeah i i think when it, when that stuff happened with doug and i was also having quite a, an, a few other negative interactions with the poker community I, I started getting a lot of anxiety when I was when I was playing poker and I was like I think I think I might just be done um, but anxiety for in my opinion is is just uh, it's just there to let you know it's your body's way of letting you know that there's some trauma waiting to be released uh, not always that it might be telling you it's a bad situation um, but I think in that situation I, I needed to release some trauma so I did some meditations to release the trauma and then uh, back on track very very interesting we someone asked about the doug polk situation we already did cover it um so you guys can scroll back in there do you still keep in touch with grips you said he was one of the early ones you kind of looked at his content his material him ben heath two of the people you sort of uh engage with or, or been part of your circle um triangle or however else maybe he's in there as well your your, your network how do you do you keep up with him have you talked to him much what's he doing by the way just because i know he does a lot of poker stuff or he has i, I haven't been in touch with him yeah, um grip grips is streaming so he's he's still doing his youtube still doing his twitch he's a very entertaining person so i would go check him out i i, I keep in contact with him pretty pretty regularly yeah um, exactly. I, would also I do actually have a group of people i speak folk with which uh it's it's more of like a coaching thing um but they're, they're called the charmanders and uh it's it's like a facebook group we have and uh my my actual one of my best friends uh she's called helen helena mcconnell okay. we met when we were 17 and i started coaching her about a year and a half ago maybe a year ago i'm not I'm not completely sure what and was she, the name of the group you said uh the charmanders it's a private message group cool uh, shout, shout out to them yeah. and um yeah helen has gone from 2nl up to now she's beating 100nl zoom which is uh very impressive for the amount of time and her graph is just pretty insane 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff you see. You know, that, that's the things that you can look back on wins and trophies, but meaning something someone who you care about and watch them sort of succeed and, and help them in that path. That's uh, it's got to nice be very rewarding. I, 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 I can tell that's uh, that's very important, and and you seem to really embrace that. Uh, what do you like to do besides poker? What are some things you really enjoy doing if you're not playing poker? Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, so chess is a big one at the moment. Uh, politics is one. Charities is a lot. I sing. Um, I sing opera, but I also sing sing other things. Um, I meditate a lot. I um, do different exercises, spend time with my cat. I cook. I read. I watch podcasts. I get into lots of debates. Uh, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. Um, there's probably a bunch more stuff. Uh, I have a lot, a lot of interests and a lot of like metaphysical things. That I, I try not to speak about too much because uh, the more skeptically minded people think you're mental. <laughs> yeah, I can, it can go down a rabbit hole for sure. Yeah. No, I, I uh, okay. That's a lot. You got a lot of hobbies, so you keep busy. That's for sure. Not you're not sitting around twiddling your thumbs. You got you got full full activity. I, 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 I still got time to watch some poker YouTube every now and again. Very nice. Um, someone asked, where did you find your gorgeous girlfriend, Charlie? Gorgeous girlfriends. Uh, thank you. Uh, she was, man, it's, it's such a long story. So you could get the long version if you want. <laughs> I'll give you the short version if you want. Too short because we have a hundred questions. So I, I do want to, want to, yeah. Yeah. So, so we met online. Uh, we started out just friends, even though we were like falling in love just from day one. Uh, she was in an abusive relationship. She met, she ended up managing to leave the person. And uh, I flew from Vegas to Florida to meet her. And then we started living together and uh, we've had a very rocky relationship, but it has been uh, the extremely, it's been the experience of my life by far. Very interesting. That's uh, like a, just one of the dating apps, one of the, the, the places to meet, you know, have- Long, long story. Okay. Let's, <laughs> you know, listen, this is a podcast. This isn't a, uh, yeah, you can answer any, any much details you want, but that's a, that's an interesting story. That's like, again, one of the, it's kind of crazy, right? I mean, you could say that about almost anyone, how they meet, right? Burning man or on a dating app or walking in a cafe. It's just kind of like crazy. You know, think about like meeting someone and how, how that shapes and your, how your life's different being in a relationship or not. And, and where you meet, someone and, and and at what point in your life you meet someone as well when when you're you know is it the right time and and, and just all of it it's just interesting your question actually when when you met your 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 now wife did you feel like you had already already met her before did you feel familiar with her already did it feel like so comfortable instantly or is it getting to know her and it was new and exciting yeah no i it, well i'll say this when i met her i did tell my the I said to my friends or people, I was at Burning Man. Um, I said I was going to marry her right away, like that day. Dude, you caught it. I'll, t- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you an interesting story about it as well. This is true. I, like a kind of a fish, I got her. I did not get her. I just had her name. I didn't have any information about her. She's from Brazil. And I told her our coordinates of the camp. So I said, we're at 915D and we have a barbecue at noon. It was 7 a.m. And this is 70,000 people in the desert. There's no, you know, it's like, it's just like a, it's a grid, like a clock and you just kind of whatever. I said, we're having a barbecue at this camp Epic. And, uh, and then I went off and went to this other burn, this thing and was like back. And then I hadn't gone to sleep. I came back and at noon I came back and there was two Brits, uh, on the barbecue, Joel. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm blanking on the other name, but I got back to camp 
you know, I was getting ready to maybe have a burger and just crash into bed. And uh, they're on the grill and they say, man, there's uh, they're like, there's someone looking for you. you better go check that out. And uh, so I went over and sat and she was with the guy and I was like, fuck. And I was like, man, she just, <laughs> she just wanted a burger, like whatever. Right. So I was like, that sucks, but whatever. So I go start talking. And then it was like, it was just a friend of hers from camp. And then he left. And then I, I was in a po- uh, camp with like 120 poker players, you know, just vultures. So I like had it out of the camp. We were holding hands riding on a bicycle. I took her to get a coffee at this uh-huh. other place. And then, you know, that was it. So yeah, but it was, uh, so beautiful, yeah, man. yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy, crazy, you know, one of those wild, and I was single for like eight years, not in a serious relationship. And I was just sort of like, oh, I want to get married around 35, maybe have kids. And, you know, next thing I knew I was in a, you know, I just bought a place in Vegas, like a bachelor pad, essentially, like in my mind at Panorama Towers. I was like, my friends have places there. This is going to yeah. be great and whatever. And then next thing you know, I was just like basically married from, uh, from that, like right then on. But, um, and so you can't really plan, right? You don't know. You don't know like when you're going to meet someone that you want to just take it to the next level or, yeah. or when, when you meet the person that that's the one, everything is just so instant. Like everything changes. Your, your plans, once you start dating them, your plans change. You're like, well, okay, my life is just different now. There's, there's no going back. Absolutely. That's true. It's just how it goes. How do you, someone's asking, how do you study poker? And let me, um, let me premise this also, cause I don't know if we can talk about this yet or how involved you are, but I, there's a program that I was very, um, impressed with that I've been doing some stuff with now and, and going to be working with them. Um, the initials are CD, you know what I'm talking about? I've seen you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think they actually did put out some content or, or release something yeah, they're, they're, they're live now but um maybe it's soft launch of it i just we don't have to yeah, go I, I, I wouldn't i wouldn't mention the name just in, I'll, I'll ask him afterwards but yeah I'm, I'm with them yeah okay me too so i did I actually got in, invested some and got involved and i i really am impressed with that do you how do you think that it's kind of weird to talk like in in the secretive here but that like that type of program like someone's asking about studying that's why i bring it up do you feel like th- this type of way of engaging and, and do you think this could actually it's the best thing I've seen. I think it's just really interesting way of doing it, but um, yeah. how, so, how do you- so we're building a pretty good hype for, for CD, but um, I, what, what I think is that this type of program could completely change the way that, that we educate each other with poker. Um, I, I think that the poker world is so new that we just have no idea how education is meant to happen. I think it's such a, it's one of those things where people who are very good at poker, I don't think they know why they're very good at poker. You know, I, I'm sure they have insights and very, very good, in, you know, insights into certain parts of it. But I don't think they understand quite the root of their intuition and where that came from. And I think it came from just grinding online, having a specific brain type and then speaking hands with their friends and playing and getting an intuition for all of these different spots. And this CD, uh, this this new thing that's coming out, big hype up to it is, in my opinion, going to going to be a game changer for how people can go over certain spots again and again and again and again and watch maybe the best players in the world go over those certain spots again and again and again and again and uh interestingly enough when the when he reached out to me um i was already so i'm starting a business after my charity launches um and part of it was going to be integrating a new poker um software thing and it was almost exactly what he had done but he had got it like 10 times more detailed and better than i was going to do it so um I was I was sold from from day one when he told me about it. Um, yeah, actually, I was shooting him a message just because I was I actually should know this, but I, I do believe it's like kind of soft launch or just sort of um, yeah, it, it, it has soft launch. Um, I have an affiliate code, so I assume that it's <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. I, I just I just uh, 
I think it's fine. But anyway, there, so there, that, to talk about the study and they, that, that to me, like that type of way of learning though, where you're, you're basically getting to watch others and then even maybe engage like how you're, how you would play in a spot versus a guy. I think, I mean, to me, I can't think of a better way to learn than a, a nice visual way. Like, let's say you upload a tournament of you winning the Sunday million or the scoop or whatever. And then like going through, because, you know, I think people get confused or misconception about poker. Cause like, look, man, like all the highlights and you want to watch my Instagram or your Instagram, like losing ace, beating Kings to ace King jacks to tens, whatever, right. Winning flips, coolering, holding like these, these things, that's not really poker. People can play those spots and those spots play themselves. The blind on blind stack size, differentiate limping here, check raising here, Call yeah, do, do you open 10-9 suited in this spot? Do you call a three-bet with Jack-10 suited in this spot? It's so so many nuances that right. people don't see in the highlights. Right, so so like that to be able to like take, if, if everyone could have access, like I think that's invaluable. I would pay to see Brink Kenny, to see you, to see Ben CB, to watch them actually like go through a tournament, upload a tournament, and then actually like go through it and watch how they did it and then think about each spot like, oh, what I, what I would do here and this is what they did. That kind of learning is like you can't really re- like to find a way of doing that. It's pretty special, right? Like that to me, I think you can't learn any better because then there's going to be spots where you're like close because then you'll see a similar spot and it's going to trigger it. And it might not be exact, but you might look at it and be like, you know what? That's interesting yeah, because I, I, yeah. so I just think it's super, super. Um, um, oh, he said we can. We can talk about it. But let's. Dude, uh, yeah. Do you want to put it, put out your affiliate code because it's your uh, your thing? You know what? I have one. I think because I haven't technically, I uploaded some hands and, and was practicing, but I didn't put out mine. We can put yours if you have a link. Send it to me. It's fine. But whatever. It's called. Uh, it's called Check the Side, and it's a website, and it's uh, it's it's up. I can put on. Um, I'll just put it put it up, and you know, it's all good. Uh, let me just real quick. Uh, here it is. So it's called Check the Side, but it, it's. I just love how it looks. I love the interface. I did. Yeah, you're on there. I don't. Oh, they do have mine. So I'm added in there officially now. So this is actually updated. I didn't even see that. But there you are, right in the middle. Reg, some other interesting streamers and people uh, kind of involved or supporting it. And uh, you can watch a video on it, guys. If we, well, you do take your time and watch that on the side. But it's basically, you know, uh, the long story short is you would be able to upload a hand. And if Charlie has a has a hand history or a tournament, you could actually feed through and while each hand is going, you can make a decision on what you would do. And it shows you what he does, which is like, I just think it's, I just think it's genius in the, in the way they have it done in the visual visual way of looking. It's uh, it's very, very, my, my prediction is that almost everyone's going to be using it in the future. And the sooner that you can start using it, the more of the edge you have on it, other people. Yes. Also for like, for example, of Phil Galfon, um, you know, PLO taking some high stakes cash spots and looking at PLO and seeing interesting, interesting hands and cash games and tournaments and, 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 and also, yeah, it's just, it's genius. So anyway, that's great. I'm, I, I actually didn't even have that on my notes, but I just put that in that. I, I remember that you were on the, your picture was on it and I knew you were involved in some form. So that's, that's cool, man. Hopefully yeah, maybe there's some fun stuff we can do hand reviews and, and kind of do some content together. Yeah, I'm, I'm so down. If you want to create any content, like if you want to collab at some point, I'm, I'm so down. No, I mean, listen, I would love to go through some of my, cause like, again, it is part of the, the reason too, is like, you know, you say you, you've seen some of my stuff. I'm sure you have a pretty good feel on my game. And I, I have a feeling that I haven't yet to unleash the power in my game because I think like my pers- the general perspective of how my game's viewed is on the tighter side, which I'm aware yeah. of, but it's like, you know, not just like, Oh, like I'm going to jam more pre-flop or, or take more high. Cause like, again, pre-flop, 
the ranges are the ranges. Guys know what to do, right? It's like I have eights in the spot. Like what? It's like finding spots post-flop, taking my image, taking blockers, taking situations and doing stuff that I'm going to be able to get away with probably close to murder, if you will. Um, yeah. can, I, can I just go coach mode for a second? Yeah, please. So the, I, I think that what, what you're getting at is, is pretty much just called unleashing the beast, which is what I usually use for people who are, who have that, that kind of tendency. Yeah. And what, one thing that I, I might prescribe for you is find a, find a low stake, play party poker. Is it rush? Fast forward, fast forward. Fast forward, yeah. Um, and maybe, maybe just like 25 and L and have a day or like an hour a day where you just go mental, where you try, you try and play good poker, but you're just trying to find every single bluff spot you can like river, three bet bluffs, river check raises, you, you know, three bet and 30%, something like that. So you're just getting in the habit of playing all of these ridiculous spots. So you just get it, get it into your system, get it into autopilot, and then you'll have a good intuition for which one of those mental plays work. Because I think you're so good at hero calls. You're so good at knowing when people have it and when they don't. Um, but I, yeah, I'd love to see your intuition uh, firing up for when you, when you go for the crazy puns as well. Yes. That's, that's the, that's the side where I'm getting, I'm getting more comfortable with it. And I also re- realizing too, that you know, I think that's a huge part of tournament poker too, is for people to realize that it so much in tournament poker is top heavy, right? One, two, three. So if you're getting so many like 10 through 14s or eight through 15s, when you could probably just have a lot less of those and have a few more one, two, threes, you know, that's a big realization to come to that. That's, that's what you want to be going for. You'd rather have you know, focus on giving yourself a chance at that instead of just like, all right, you're going to be in there with 10 blinds, 12 blinds. And then it's like, oh, it's easy to say I got it in Jack's to ace 10 when you have 12 blinds. Well, oh, well, and you win that, you're even still not like you're going to win the tournament. You know, you're going to maybe go up a little, little higher. So I think that's, that's something yeah. that's, uh, that's a bit, I think a lot of people struggle with. And, and I definitely feel in that camp and something I've tried to work on a lot, but finding. Yeah. I mean, you're one of the best players in the world and you still, you still have to, you know, have, have this critical and analytical mind into your game to change things. And everyone does. Absolutely. Everyone does. Right. Now I think it's, it's more dangerous, right. When people just, they don't want to listen or they think they're just doing everything right. That's for sure. The, what you don't want. Um, so, okay. Uh, let's take a few more. I mean, this is actually ins- like you, I think you actually set the official question record. Uh, we're getting close to them, but we're just kind of uh, tearing. So you, do you still love poker? Can I answer that for you? That's a yes. Please do. Yeah. It's, it's my, it's my, my baby. How I love many, your mistress. How many, uh, how many bad, do you have the, the biggest online, the biggest bad beat? Do you have one that stands out from like a final table or anything that really live or online that was just so like crushing like a sick beat or a one out or just something that cool cool this overly positive mindset but i jab beats and i always remember my suck outs i remember bad beats that happened to ben because they they, they kind of bothered him at the time um but for me no i honestly i've ran so good in my career as well that it's you know there aren't too many big moment bad beats right give me give me give me a uh give me a trick or, or a tip like Cause it is hard. Like you said, even like bankroll challenge or these things where you're just so emotionally wanting to do well and perform and show people what's possible. If you're on Twitch and you just like, there's days when it's just, you're losing every flip you're getting, you know, you're, you're winning a flip and then they hit the turn two outer on ACE King to tens. The 10 comes on the turn ACE on the flop. You're, you're bubbling tournaments. Um, everything's wrong. Just the day is literally like, you feel like you're getting punked. Like you could, you could actually see an email from a site being like, look, we did an experiment on you today. Thank you. Here's a, <laughs> yeah, you're like that makes more sense than what's yeah, happening. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be like, you're actually waiting for that. Um, what do you do to sort of just like take that and just like, when you feel yourself, maybe like 
you don't tilt because you're, you're a professional, but you feel that like anxiousness or that upsetness, or you just know, like you're literally having to look at people and you see the chat, like what the hell or you know, what's going on or, and then they, and then a play maybe you make and it's incorrect or not what you normally do. And a guy you're getting blasted for it. Plus you're running bad. Like, how do you not just like, you know, click kill stream or just like start typing like F, you know, guys. <laughs> yeah, fuck you all. You yeah, suck at fucking your chat pros. Yeah, yes. we, we will have the urge to do that, to just tell the chat pros that they suck at poker. Right. But um, it, for, for me, the best way to do it is through, through quick meditations. And obviously you can't do it for long because you're on stream. Right. But uh, I'll, I'll close my eyes and a, a couple of things I'll do will be a grounding meditation um, or just like slowing down my breathing, making sure I'm calm and relaxed. And then one, one thing I, I, I do is, I will repeat to myself the the mantra that I, I made up, which is I am lucky, I am skillful, and I will win. And I just breathe very slowly and repeat, I am lucky, I feel what it's like to be lucky. I say I am skillful, I feel what it's like when I'm skillful, I'm making good plays, and I then I say I will win, and I will feel what it's like to win. And it, believe in the law of attraction or not, but it seems to do great things for, for, for psychology. Um, and then another thing when... What was I about to say? <laughs> I had a third thing. Wait, give me a second. I like mm. that. I'm going to use some of that. I, I'm lucky. I am skillful. I will win. What was it? Huh? Guess it's gone. Guess it wasn't that important. Well, that 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 is powerful. And I think, you know, my dad, again, like one of the things, it's not about what happens, how you react to what happens, but his thing that really stuck out to me where he, he said this was lose as if you like it and win, it. As, if, win as if you expect it. And that's like, I think that's, that's exactly powerful. right. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the type of manifestation. The, the thing I was going to say is that sometimes because I realize that I'm, I'm almost like scared or anxious of losing, then what I'll do is meditate and feel and just like imagine that I've just like bricked the whole day, that everything goes to shit. You know, I've, I've lost everything. And then also my radiator breaks and we lose the heating for the day. And then come to the rational conclusion and feel that everything's still absolutely fine in my life, whatever. And, um, yeah, just going to like a visualization or a meditation, something like that, and just being completely okay with the worst scenario. And then everything from there is just a free roll. So that, that for me works anyway. Very cool. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's, that's powerful. Cause it's, it can be a nasty, it can be a difficult place if you get caught in a spot where you're, not able to clear stuff off and you're just kind of taking it and, and, and it's, and then you got emails coming in or phones going and you got to handle this and you got like a bill or something, or say someone's asking you or something, a friend's asking you to transfer your money while you're mid grinding and you're looking at it and you know, you gotta, it can just really derail your whole flow of, uh, of the, need, of the uh, yeah. You need a lot of things to be going right to be in, to be in your, to your, be in your A game. For sure. Okay. Well, we have officially, uh, I want to just last thing. Cause I do reference this actually, my dad sends me notes each stream, which is cool. And, and I had something about background of Kathy and then I saw on your website, uh, with your coaching as well. And, and she's mentioned, can you talk about who Kathy is? Cause she's here with the experts, um, your holistic approach to success mm-hmm. and, and who is Kathy and what is she involved in your life? So Kathy is one of the people I mentioned before. She's uh, she's probably my my main spiritual guru. Okay. And I, I understand the word spirituality kind of kind of closes a lot of people's minds, but you can just replace that with emotional and psychological help. Um, she's actually the person that I've recorded the the masterclass with to help people along their journey of um, becoming a poker player. She has. Let me rephrase this in a very very delicate way. 
She can do things that the most skeptically minded people in the materialistic world would deem impossible. She, she can do things energetically that I previously thought impossible. I've tested it. I'm very skeptical. I'm, I'm very, I, I'm, I, I'm a big believer in an individu individual, individualistic empirical research and I've done my research and I absolutely trust her. I trust her abilities. Um, so she's somebody that I'm joining up with uh, in terms of making content, but also just getting her name out in the world. She does one-on-one -on -one sessions. So if anyone wants to do a one-on-one -on -one session with Kathy, she will absolutely change your life. She changed my life and the life of people around me including some high stakes poker players that have been extraordinarily impressed, including very skeptical people and open-minded people. Uh, yeah, reach out if you want her email and I will give it to you. That's very cool. Um, all right. We've got a, we have got, we have covered a lot. I think you're either my longest podcast or the second, but to Mike the mouth by, by it's right in there. This is, this has gotten out of hand actually. How long is <laughs> we could keep talking forever? I know our time is valuable and I, I know you got a, a, you are, you know, you have a lot of, of different projects and things you're doing. So I do really appreciate the time. I do want to say, I did find this and I already did message Andrew Finan with choker. So this is called the choker cup. And this is May 7th to June 25th. And this is uh, how it's, there's, there's a, there's Hikaru. Right oh, now. that's um, that, that girl that plays us. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Cortez or something. Botez. Botez. Yep. And uh, Bill Perkins. I just, we just locked him in as well for one. And there's a couple other, I know there's going to be another, poker in but this is i would love to play that if i could i i think i well don't quote me on it but i will put you in touch and i think there's a good possibility because you know bill was one uh we just got it sorted out and then there's a couple other poker players we're looking at and, and this is going to be pretty pretty sweet i think you would actually be a perfect perfect fit for it especially that you can stream it on twitch um as well and you know some of these other it's it's very rare there's not many guys that are poker on twitch that also have like a, a chess affinity. How is your, how is your game? Like, where would you rate your game? Like Bill's Bill's like a recreational, he likes it. He plays some, are you like, do you feel like you could, can you battle? Like, I, I don't even know the ranking system, but where do you fall <laughs> on the scale? Um, so my, my ELO on Lee chess is 19 something. My ELO on uh, chess.com is 16 something, which uh, I, I think puts me, you know, pre pretty high up, but I, I've really only been playing for like eight months and I haven't had any coaching or anything. So I, I would be able to battle, but I would get wrecked by like a, any, any kind of master every, uh, 10 out of 10 times. Very but I, I, I would be able to battle almost all poker players that, that aren't doing it professionally, that aren't, aren't playing chess professionally. Sorry. Choker, man. It's the real deal. I, I, I will say I, I am so impressed with the actual app like the, the, how it works, like the interface, the it's cool, it's fun. And it's, you know, there's betting on each street and then you play the end game of chess. So, you know, when I heard choker, I'll be honest, the name's kind of cool. Cause it's like, yeah, chess poker. And it kind of merges. I like the logo. I like the whole feel, but it kind of sounds a bit kinky. Gotta be honest. That's what I'm saying. I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like too perfect in a way of like how it sounds, but it's super, it sounds kind of corny, right? Too. It's like, no way. Like chess and poker, like you hybrid it. It's like a liger, like, right. Like it doesn't really, yeah. what, what is it? It sounds like kind of cool, but, but kind of weird. And I don't know. And then I saw it, I played it and I'm not good at chess, but I used to play some and I thought it was like really interesting. Cause chess to me, it's like one of those games that I'm never going to, it's like, it's like golf, unless you handicap it. It's kind of like, it's not that fun. If you go to golf against Tiger Woods, you just can't win or, you know, whatever. So it's like, how do you find a way to make it take away some of the skill and, and merge it, but make it interactive. So I think they really nailed it. And it's, it's not like a, you know, 
garage pop-up idea. This has been, they've, they've got the tech, they put money into it. They've got major players in it and they've, you know, it's coming to, uh, to its fruition now. So I, I will connect you in a, a chat and, and have you chat and whatever. Hopefully you get to play it. Thanks, or, that's really uh, exciting. Thank no, you. I, I think you're perfect for it, man. So, uh, all right, let's, let's end on that note. Is there any other things you want to, you want to chat about before we do this 55 dollar ticket giveaway we're going to give away someone on hopefully oh, the run you know it starts with 55 we all know it that's how it all go- that's how it usually starts um do you have any closing words messages uh things you want to touch on you got your charity coming up soon which you'll have a website uh launch i guess you're, you're going to put that up in the near months yeah please please if anybody does want to uh help with the the charity in any regards please do reach out there will be uh multiple opportunities amongst different varieties and domains where people can help we i believe have a very good shot of ending homelessness in the uk within the next five years that's our goal and uh we we're with all the biggest names and we've got a lot of impetus and a lot of brilliant people on our team so if anybody does feel any way inclined to help out then please do reach out and that's awesome, man. I, please let me know when it's that time. Give me a give me a shout out on that. I would love to to do that. I'd also love to check out your uh, the coaching thing. So maybe you could send me some info on that. I may mean, see it's on your website, but I, I would be interesting to 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 go through that. And then also, like I said, I, I think that's a really it's actually studying poker and reviewing. It's always a bit cumbersome. It just seems like you know it's like it's hard. But I think on this check the side, for example, which is great that we're both involved at. We could maybe plug in a tournament, look at the end game and sort of go through. Now, I think like in, in particular, I'd love to look at the last two tables, three tables, right? Like the end game, kind of looking at some some of the, you know, it's interesting too in tournaments where it goes from nine handed or eight handed. And then at the final two, three tables, there's a lot of five, six, seven. Handed. Yeah, you got to go mental in those spots, at least some of the time. Yes. Um, so that, that, that would be a lot of fun to look at. So, all right, let's, uh, uh, someone just said they logged in the second to check check the side. That's awesome. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that and then we're going to go ahead and do this retweets here. Is there any, cl- anything else, man, you got any, any other closing statements? We're almost at three hours. We might as well hit it. We got three minutes to go and make, <laughs> make it in the three hour club, which I think only one. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, 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 I could talk for a, for another hour. I'm sure I, I'm a bit sleepy just cause that I, I haven't meditated, uh, enough, I think, but I've been trying to like get short ones in, in the, in the middle of the podcast to say articulate. Um, but I, I would say that if people are out there and they're trying to decide whether to be a professional poker player, please do follow your dreams, but please also be very rational and realistic. Poker can be a beautiful, beautiful spiritual pathway to financial enlightenment, and it can be something that can gift you a lifestyle that maybe you've been dreaming of uh, since you were born, or at least since you could start dreaming consciously. And on the other side of that, poker can also steal people's lives. It can it can be an addiction. It can be it can be essentially gambling if you're not doing it in a certain smart way with correct background management and you're not learning it properly. Um, and most people who want to be a professional poker player don't manage it. So please don't have, please always have a backup. Please always look, uh, to see with a very honest and analytical mind, how good are you at a certain point where you're expecting to be better? How good are other people by that point? And, uh, don't, don't let poker ruin your life, but at the same time, it can be turned into a beautiful thing. It can teach you so many life lessons. Uh, even when you lose, it can be an extraordinary teacher and, uh, yeah, don't let other people tell you to only study with solvers. <laughs> Love it. Um, who was your role model when you were growing up? I want to do that and your favorite poker player, and then we'll 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 uh, 
we'll, we'll move from that, there. that juicy three hour mark yeah role model when growing up would be someone completely different to role model now um so role model growing up would have been a scientist of some description probably someone like Feynman the mathematician or someone like Einstein or somebody um I don't know there there, there are different mathematicians that you live that I, I I particularly liked but um now there would be people who are I would say people who have managed to find that beautiful inclination between uh or duality between rationality and spirituality like kindness and logic and things like that um so there's a guy that if anyone's curious in learning about eastern philosophy from somebody that's extraordinarily scientifically minded there's a, a person called alan wallace who is a, a a buddhist lama which is great that they call themselves that and um i he has a debate on on youtube called the nature of reality with with a uh I think a neuroscientist slash physicist. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, if, you, if you're interested in getting to Eastern philosophy, he's the person I go to. Very cool. And uh, what about poker players growing up? Is there anyone you just like love watching on TV, respected like poker after dark or, you know, whatever else? Was there some other stuff that you really, that you looked up to or just like, man, that's cool. That makes me want to play poker. Yeah. I mean, Joe Stapleton was one. He was probably my number one. Uh, he was a person that I when I met him, I was the most kind of like, oh my God, it's uh, Joe Saberton, you know? <laughs> right. Um, is the word I was looking for. And uh, I loved Daniel Negreanu. I still really, really respect Daniel Negreanu and really, really think he's an awesome person. Um, I don't know what he's doing with his life at the moment, but whenever whenever we've spoken, it's it's been extremely pleasant. And I think he's a uh, force for good in the world. I, again, I really did like Doug when I was, when I was growing up and I still, I still think he's, he's a great role model in some ways for how hard he works and um, the energy that he, he puts out with positivity when he's playing and he's, you know, always laughing and smiling. He's good for the game. Um, who else is great? Some other people are great at the moment, man. Like the people that I'm, I'm spending all my time watching are, are, are like you and Lex. And uh, that's, that's kind of it. There are a few other streamers that I pay attention to, but uh, yeah, I, sure that everyone listening to this has already already watched uh already watched all of your content but uh go go rewatch it it's great i appreciate it man again i'm very excited to be aligned on this check the side i actually am um, showing this to party poker because they have the my game which i believe you know they, they made a big big steps and rob you know trying to read they're trying to not let people they're trying to protect the players and like also it's it's a learning process to try to do some of this new stuff taking some risk i think my game's great i think it, it, it's a it's a really what, interesting what, what's my game? It, it's a way to review hands it also gives it's sort of it's it's got similarities to check the side but just different where you're able to to sort of replay hands it gives you a ranking a score it's showing you what areas your of your game it's it's in you should check it out it's it's kind of yeah, it, it, skeptical but i look into it no yeah it's i i've seen it i've gone through it i think it's good i think that check the side would be an amazing compliment and i know luigi and check the side they're looking to you know because uh stars has uh boom replayer kind of like tagged with them i think that good would be point really, Audio really, needs a good replay that's it a good would be point a huge huge ad and it's you know rob is dealing with a lot right and he's got guy there's people on within party there's there's a there's a good system but i think they would really benefit to 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 find a way to sort of uh incorporate or, or be involved so i think it's like the perfect fit it's just kind of hard because there's so many of these type of businesses or replayers or things right so it's like you got to really grab the attention and say look this is how it works this is what it is let's take it seriously and i think it i think it's one of the few things that could actually 
make a big change in a quick period of time where people are just going to love it. And I, I, I hope Hardy gets involved with it. So I'm going to do my best to get that in front of them and, and, and have them see it. John Duffy is still in the chat. He said he went out for a walk, well, a long walk, and you guys are still here. <laughs> John, we're, this is not a hobby. That's what we tell them. We, we, like to, yeah. we like to keep it going. So, all right, let's, let's roll this $55 ticket, and then we'll, again, thank you for your time and everyone who tuned in. I uh, really appreciate it. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll ride off into the sunset and, and collaborate in the future. So you tell me when to roll and someone's going to win it. All right. Good luck, boys. Three, two, one. Boom. There it is. Gav Passad. Sounds like a guy who's won before. I recognize his name. Um, boom. We had one once before, but Hey, being lucky twice is allowed. Uh, that is going to close us out. Thank you so much, man. Really a treat. feel like I know you much better now. We have, we've had a, a firm chat and uh, we covered a lot of ground. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks again. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Thanks. Uh, it's, it's really nice to get through three hours of conversation and still feel like we could speak for another, another like five hours and still just have fun. Yeah, no, you're already auto booked for podcast too. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to just pencil it in down the line, but I'm sure, you know, again, I, I actually think that I don't like, it's so, it's so easy to start committing and doing stuff and everything, just so whatever, but not like a weekly thing, but it would be really cool to do hand reviews with you. I think that would be a lot of fun. Cause like, it's just uh, one of those things, like, I think we can both get it and we put, and you kind of understand each other's way of thinking. I think, you know, you can have a big shift. Like I, I have no doubt that uh, going over some stuff with you could give me a uh, a spark and and some 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 better finishes. You know, maybe a few more firsts than thirds and fifths and whatever. We could we could maybe uh, more, more that. down for that. Cool, man. All right, well, awesome, bro. Appreciate it. appreciate everyone tuning in, guys. This was podcast number sixty-one. Charlie Carell, Carol, however you want to say it. It's he's it's energy. It's positivity. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you soon, man. Thanks again. Cheers. Namaste. All right, guys, we got another podcast coming up a bunch this week. Thanks again. And we'll be live on Twitch in a bit and have some lunch and I will see you guys soon. So cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.